Hey everyone, it's Josh. Uh, before we get into today's episode, just wanted to announce that we are doing a live show in April and we would love to see you there. Uh, it's on Thursday, April 27 at Caveat. The show is called The Worst of All Possible Worlds Presents Brian is Back, the 85th episode podcast spectacular live from New York City. Uh, if you can make it in person, tickets are $15 in advance, $20 on the door. And if you can't make it in person, there's a live stream. Tickets are 10 bucks for that. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can get five bucks off. So for more details about that, go to worstpossible.world. That's our website. All the details are there. And we hope to see you there. On to the show. AJ, you 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 know about St. Augustine, right? Yeah. Like you've oh, read. Yeah, of course. I know St. Augustine. Confessions, Confessions Part 2. Yeah, These well, are my confessions. <laughs> yeah, when I was in high school, uh, our rival high school... I went to yeah. Cathedral Catholic High School, and our rival high school mm. was called Saints, but it was short for St. Augustine, and uh-huh. that was our like uh-huh. big football rivalry, but did the they, whole thing. Did they, did they steal all your pears? <laughs> no. <laughs> that, that one's for the heads. <laughs> I like the idea of a school that actually specializes in saints. Like It makes me think about the Colorado College of Mines, which is just called Mines as shorthand. Oh, yeah. Wait, did you say Mines or Mimes? Mines with an N. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was just a school that reveled in walking against the wind. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast walking against the wind since the year 2020. I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. I'm the worst of all possible H's. And I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. And today we're... Oh, he's Brian, doing Brian mime. is miming. He's just uh, doing mime. You have to edit this. That's you know great. that, right? This you... is such good content for an audio-only podcast. Yeah, really good, Brian. It was Brian. a very pornographic miming session. It really and was. was not I was very impressed by the amount of ejaculate you managed to mime. Yes. Beautiful. Illusion. All oh, just in isolation. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. That's yeah. incredible. Well, speaking of yeah. ejaculations, we're here for another mm. installment of Wits Endless Summer. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Springs <laughs> Awakening, <laughs> as we like to call hear. it. And particularly, we're the here. defeat in our voices. Yeah, well, because here's the thing. We are full of ejaculate, because today... It's a lot of odysseys about daddies, baby. Mm. That's like we've we've covered nearly a hundred episodes, which is and insane. Still so many gaps. It's insane. But for those of you who are just joining us for the first time with this ongoing subseries, the worst of all possible worlds, mm-hmm. Adventures in Odyssey, an evangelical Christian children's radio drama produced by Focus on the Family, the virulently homophobic. A Christian evangelical organization based in Colorado Springs, Colorado. But to be and- fair, the gays are graffitiing wit's end all the time. <laughs> That's true. They so, are. Yeah. Uh, both both uh, on the show and in real life. Yeah. yeah um, that episode where Larry Kramer went to Odyssey was a big one. <laughs> you fucking imagine. <laughs> Focus on the family also hates the New York Times, but for very different reasons. Um, <laughs> these episodes are about dads. And, and Brian, you know, you pulled together really quite an assemblage of episodes for this one. Uh, why don't you tell us about yeah. sort of the through line and, and how, why you chose these? Well, so the main through line here is that we have to talk about George. We yeah. gotta, we gotta go mm. perchance to George. You know, we gotta know where did you go, George? 
We know that George is near. We saw his eyes. They said that you were at the zoo, George, drawing the monkey cage. So George Barkley is now in his series of unfortunate events. Yes. yes. Uh, I'm sorry to say to our listen- listeners, as we're coming up to the return of the devious Dutchman, Regis Blackard, Esquire, mm. uh, doctor, PhD, yes. uh, MDD, DDS, we, we don't get to go on the Hawaii vacation with George Barkley and the Rathbones. I'm sorry to anyone who was waiting for that. Maybe we'll do it as a bonus episode someday. Yeah, that that feels but like a solid piece of Boba's content. Is that Aloha Oi? Aloha Oi, parts one, two, and get this, three. <laughs> the thing that I want to focus on with George this year is all of the shit that happens to him because it turns out to be a lot. And so I thought, what better way to do this than to focus on the concept of fatherhood in general? This allows us to learn a little bit more about Connie and meet her dad, Bill, uh, and it allows us to learn about Lawrence, who's going to be important in a little bit. Not that important. Also, Rusty from the Bones of Wrath. Yes. And, Who will and be then, important. The, the Bones, that is. Not Rusty yeah. so much. And then yeah. I needed to bring in, of course, our favorite orphan, Eugene Meltzner, and introduce him to everyone's father. Yes. The big mm. daddy upstairs. Our yep. our lord, yes. yes. Ray Heavenly Yoda. lord and father. But so, also through his own surrogate father. John Avery Whitaker. <laughs> That's a really yes. good point. Yes. So the first episode that we listened to as part of the sequence is episode 195, Father's Day. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. This episode is one that I actually do remember uh, mm-hmm. from listening to it as a kid. It's a pretty, uh, you know, tightly for, for Phil Lawler, at least uh, tightly written slice of life kind of piece of narration. Yeah, I was surprised um, this wasn't a McCusker. Honestly, I was, too. I was, too. Uh-huh. I looked it up halfway uh, through. Three of the four episodes this week are Lawler's. Yeah. And honestly, the worst one this week is a McCusker. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really <laughs> wild. Look, I hate that we have to hand it to him, but he wrote some good scripts. Yeah. But I mean, it's also maybe- You got to get somewhere after you've written 200 of these things. Yeah, yeah. One would I hope. And I think what was so striking to me about these particular episodes that he wrote were the, how little God features into like any yes. of them, really. Yeah, this is where we're starting to find that tone that Odyssey is going to really master when Paul Herlinger is with. Yeah, these are more... It like, can't come soon enough. <laughs> these are moral lessons that are not always explicitly or overtly Christian, at least yeah. until Chris, of course, comes in at the end and does her, and you know. Tries to find a Bible verse. You know, yeah. the Bible yeah. says. But, uh, uh, yeah, the thing father- I always think about wildly is like Chris has to sit there for the entirety of these episodes and just <laughs> yeah. listen to them and then pipe in like at the very, very end. It's wild. I w- Let her come in late. Don't make her sit there. This episode begins with Connie uh, going through, I think, like a catalog, right? Of like stuff yeah. she could be getting for her father. Oh, hi, Whit. Hi. Trying to decide what to get my dad for Father's Day. There are a couple of possibilities in this catalog. You still get your dad gifts for Father's Day? Sure. Piece of shit. <laughs> because he and Dumbass. my mom divorced doesn't mean that he still isn't my dad. Oh, I didn't mean to imply that he isn't, Connie. I mean, uh, speaking as a dad myself, it's nice to know that you're thinking of him. Uh, can I Unlike ask my you a personal question, though? Sure. I've asked <laughs> you enough of them. Does it still bother you the way your dad left your mom? <laughs> no, not really. It's just like... Because I finally realized that I might as well accept it and get on with life. Oh, I think that's a very wise attitude. Yeah. He goes in for the kill right yeah, he's away. Like trying to start something. He's and Connie's boss. like very mature. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, what, 16, 15, yeah. 16? Yeah. She's like, I'm doing all right, Wit. And he's like, are you, though? 
What if you what if you hate him? What if you feel really bad about I, I have this new game I play, how long does it take me to write the words stay out of her business mm. in any episode of Odyssey? Yeah, this must have been a record breaker for you. Two 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 notes. Yeah. First one, oof, wit sounds unwell because <laughs> Oof. Yeah, he, he was not doing. Uh, uh, timeline wise, Brian, how how is Hal Smith's uh, uh, health at this point? He's got another year and change. Okay. You definitely can hear it in the performance. There's a certain mm-hmm. ragged edge to his voice, yeah. and there's also just some real darkness. Honestly, that, yeah. that is yeah. present in a way that in previous episodes there's not, which I think is really interesting. Actually, this present darkness. Mm. Mm. As Connie and Wit are talking, uh, lo and behold, Connie's dad, Bill enters the shop. He's here. Whoa, what's he doing yeah. here, Whitson? Crazy. I'm only in town for the night. I'm passing through on my way to New York to visit your grandma. Then you really didn't come to see me? Oh, no, no, not true. I made it a point to stop here. Connie, your grandma isn't doing too well. She isn't? No. And I thought it'd be nice for you to come with me to New York to see her and to spend some time with me. That sounds great. Uh, Whit, is it okay if I take the time off? Well, of course, Connie. Oh, and I'll have to ask mom, too. I wouldn't have it any other way. Seems all right. Yeah. Uh, There doesn't seem to be, like, thunder cracking in the background when the word New York is mentioned. Like, (laughs) the restraint is admirable. It is interesting, though, that Bill, being this, you know, libidinous guy who, you know, seems to be a little bit of a a serial monogamist of sorts. A real leisure Uh, suit Larry. There you go. (laughs) The fact that he's from New York, I think, is interesting. They've made a choice here. What we've had with Bill before, and of course, AJ, you, you haven't heard all of these, but... But like mostly he's been absent. This this is the first time we've had a voice actor for Bill. There was a previous episode where Bill is like gonna come to town and then he flakes out and then Connie turns misandrist. Oh, and so she's just like <laughs> stepping on Eugene's balls for the rest of the episode until Wit's like, now, hold on. That's not right. <laughs> Hashtag not all men, Connie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I, th- I want to post this sort of along maybe on the Twitter or something, but there is there's only one canonical drawing of Bill Kendall and it's on the <laughs> AIO wiki and it's a nightmare. Uh, it, 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 it's <laughs> all sure. smushed out. It looks like almost like a Picasso painting. Like, yeah, but it's probably something hell? from the corner of some artwork oh, sure, somewhere. Sure. Yeah. And his voice, his voice is a very calming quality to it, though. Like he mm-hmm. sounds like an old character actor. Actor, and I guess yeah, his and name, guess what, AJ? Yeah, he is. is, oh, it, who, is Alan, who is he? No, it's Alan Bergman. No. Uh, he played. He actually played father to a character played by Katie Lee when Focus on the Family was doing family portraits. Oh, okay. Weirdly enough, wow. So they decided to bring him back these many years, like six years later. He was one of those guys you'd see on TV in the '60s and '70s who would appear like multiple times on a show, but as different characters each time. He was just one of those guys where, like, every three seasons would be like, let's get Alan Bergman back on to play sure. this dude. The real Peter Capaldi of his day. Yes. He was on Star Trek in the third season episode, The Empath, which is a mostly terrible episode, like, you know, most of third season episodes of Star Trek. But it's an interesting one because it was written by Joyce Musket, a woman who has zero TV writing credits aside from this episode because she was a fan. Very big deal. And Joyce Musket first one good for her not not a good episode i don't recommend it <laughs> one and done but alan bergman is in it all right that's lovely <laughs> and i think that well we we should take a moment before we move on in the plot yeah. to talk a little bit about alan bergman's performance here as bill because i think yeah. it's an interesting performance honestly I, yeah it's a very considered non-judgmental 
straightforward performance. Yeah, and right? there's so many adult roles on this show. When they want to do a straw man, you know immediately that oh, that yeah. person is the straw man because yeah, because usually they got Phil Waller to do it. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to write it or and like, to perform or Dave it. Arnold or whoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> Playing the character. But this feels so lived in that it's like I don't know if Phil Waller is a child of divorce, but it right. does feel like there yeah. is a truth and reality to this story. That he felt very important to put into the script. I think the way that we sort of see that is that Bill always is trying to do what he thinks is the right thing. Yeah, it's just yeah. that he isn't emotionally intelligent enough to like understand the consequences of, of his actions. And we, we yeah. sort of see examples of this throughout. But the first example that we see here is that, you know, Bill comes in. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, let's, you know, Connie, come along with me uh, to New York. Oh, and by the way, as long as I'm here. Uh, yeah, let's let's all go out to eat, too. I want to take both of you out to dinner tonight. That'd be great. Well, that's very kind of you, Bill, but I'm not sure that would be a good idea. Oh, Mom, it's just dinner. Sure. Remember all the great evenings we used to have at Papa Luigi's restaurant up the coast? Papa Luigi's. I remember when I was little. <laughs> uh, Papa, Papa Luigi's. Come on, Mom. I'm sure we can find a nice Italian restaurant out here. AJ, did your ears just perk up I, when I you heard that they were going to do an Italian you don't thing? Think, you don't think I... I've already written the interstitial for this week. <laughs> oh, good. Good, good, good. Immediately upon hearing Baba Luigi's, my, my, my yeah. computer exploded. I typed so hard on it. It burst into fucking flames. No, uh, this is great. I also love the dynamic between Bill and Wit in this. It has a real, mm-hmm. like, stepfather versus, like, biological dad vibe. Like, yeah, like yeah. Wit's like... I'm the wit that stepped up. The yeah, wit yeah. that stepped up. <laughs> I also, I also have this feeling that Papa Luigi's is like he, they just say like up the coast, but like how far up the coast do we imagine Papa Luigi's to I be? Like, I, I like the idea that it's in Malibu. That it's just yeah. like really, really fucking shishi. I was thinking just south of the Oregon border. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's way. <laughs> yeah. Welcome go to Papa Luigi's, located in scenic Merced. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, either way, the, the 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 specter of Papa Luigi has now been raised. Yeah. <laughs> the specter is haunting Europe. And you know what? He's going to he's going to suck it up with a Poltergust 3000. He and, is. Uh, hey, um, Papa Luigi, Mama Luigi, whatever. What we know here is that Connie is geeked. Um, yeah. She basically thinks that she's going to be able to parent trap her parents, right? Like, right. who needs a twin? That, that's the problem, right? If, if only I Eugene, don't even need to split screen. <laughs> if only Eugene was her twin, maybe it would work out. But oh, uh, and he's definitely not Connie's twin. Definitely not. Wait, what? What? I'm joking. Oh. He's, he's def- he oh. really isn't. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know wanted, the lore. You I, know, pull I wanted to mess with you, AJ. I, was, I, was, I just wanted to make you feel something I was something like, is that why once. they never kiss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She Basically, Connie then talks to it. And she's like, you know, have you seen what I've seen, right? Seems like yeah. sparks are flying, right? And, and Wit. Um, and they're absolutely not. Wit yeah. is like, no, no. He says, he says what in a way that I've never heard Wit say anything before. What? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's that's one to put in the rotation. So, Con- but Connie still decides to go forward with her plan, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. She uses a room upstairs at Wit's end. She configures it to look like her memory of Papa Luigi's. She slaps on a fake mustache and, uh, you know, welcomes her parents to oh, the restaurant. As deserted as the downstairs. Connie! Okay, hit it, Eugene! What in the world? Say this 
reminds me of... Buonasera, mia bella Pisano. Welcome to Papa Luigi's. Papa Connie? Don't look now, June, but I think our daughter needs a shave. Connie's doing drag. She's woke. What is all this? She's woke, kids. This is Papa Luigi's. Come, I got you a table already. It's me, Papa Luigi. Madam? Well, okay. Signore. Well, when in Rome. Now, how's uh, about we start off Italy. with a nice uh, glass of vino, eh? Wine? Where did you get wine? Don't worry, it's just grape juice. <laughs> Help yourself to some breadsticks. I'll be right back. Because remember, this is a Protestant show. We can't have any alcohol. No, I, I, I mean, <laughs> I'll be honest. I thought this was kind of cute. I, I liked the setup. It's fine. It was yeah. sweet. Oh, you I'm know. sorry. Is my culture your costume? Oh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> dude. This is, this is blatantly pasta face. <laughs> and I will not stand for it. Oh, you're really not going to be happy when you hear about what I'm doing for Halloween I'm this gonna year. I'm going to you and your Beppo is what I'm going to fucking do. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to bleep that one. <laughs> I actually, I also think that this is this is this is actually pretty adorable, and I actually really love Connie's delivery of uh, it's just grape juice. Don't worry about yeah. it. I thought, yeah, I thought it's like very lived in and lovely. Also, this is a me bit, so I'm gonna be predisposed to it. Slap it on yeah, a mustache. Sure. And yeah, doing, of course. Sure. Doing that accent is a very you me don't thing. even have to slap on a mustache. You already have one, but yeah. who cares? Yeah, uh, I know. Put I put a mustache on top of it. Like yeah. most of my jokes, it's a mustache on a mustache. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I also like the okay, hit it, Eugene, because. They <laughs> Yeah. couldn't get Will Ryan that day. Yeah, yeah, but it's also, so in my head, I understand that it's just like he's pushing a button. It's but great. I, I do like to imagine that it's just Eugene with an accordion. Yes, with yes. Little, he's a like, one-man band, Dick symbols. Van Dyke situation. Yeah, having yeah. to stand in the room for all this. I mean, it wouldn't be out of the question for Eugene, honestly. Yeah, like, he plays given, ukulele. He sings. He does. Yep. He does. He's got yep. a whole album. I mean, either way, we have, I think, a really clear picture of what this room looks like and so mm -hmm. it ends up getting really sad really <laughs> fucking quickly yeah, nope. i mean that's the thing about this this scene is that like it's maybe not when you're a kid as an adult you know what the stakes are going in you can yep. tell the parents are not thinking about getting back together in any way like it's cringe comedy oh it yeah is deeply uncomfortable michael scott territory Right. Not just because of the pasta face. Yes. <laughs> Although, I mean, that's that's problematic. And yeah, we, we do yeah. call it out. And you I know. don't. Bill has to figure out how to let Connie down easily. He told her earlier that Lindsay, his girlfriend, who he had had at some point since leaving Connie's mom, uh, he wasn't with her anymore. Yeah. Which is part of what animated her to do this whole thing. But then we find out the truth. You're what? Married. Married? Yes. Her name is April. Married? Married. Poor girl. I'm all right, Mom. <laughs> I was talking about April. Oh, thanks a lot. Wait a minute. What about Lindsay? Uh, Lindsay, You uh, know the one you left Mom for? Yeah, well, uh, I left her. Figures. Let me get this straight. You left Mom for Lindsay, then left Lindsay for April? No, I left Lindsay for Carol. I, I left Carol for April. What? Oh, at least you married April. I can't believe it. <laughs> you the abruptness, and that's not a cut that we've done. That's no. how abruptly yeah. it cuts out. It's amazing. But yeah. also, I'd like to imagine that, again, Eugene in the room is just playing <laughs> yes. oblivious just to this stopped. the whole time. Yeah. Oh, 
It's beautiful. Mamma me. I do have to also call out Connie for saying Paisano and uh, <laughs> use that as an opportunity to talk about my own father. He's taken mm, to doing mm. this thing when he like meets people that he's only like he kind of half remembers. He's like, hey, uh-huh. my Paisan. And my dad also wears suits <laughs> that are just like a little too big for him. So mm. he, he starts to resemble Joe Pesci in a very like real <laughs> and very enduring way. Anyway, shout out to you, dad. I know it's not Father's Day, but I love you dearly. So um, yeah, it's the Father's Day of March. It's yeah. the Julian calendar Father's Day. There we go. Yeah. In June, like really is not missing her opportunity to twist the knife here. And mm-hmm. I like that a lot yeah. it, because it communicates without having to explicitly be like, your dad is such a frustrating guy and I'm so mad at him. It's like, no, we can hear it. You know, show me. Yeah. Don't tell me. She really goes for the throat, I think, at a couple points, but it's all very subtle and like lived in because she's tired. Like yeah. she talks a lot in this episode about how like she's, you know, she's still upset, but she let go of her anger a really long time ago. But then you listen yeah. to this and it's like, I don't know, man. Your father has always been this way. Even when we were married, he'd pull crazy stunts and do incredibly insensitive things. And then then he'd wonder why I got mad at him. That's why this doesn't surprise me. I wasn't looking at him or or the situation through rose-colored glasses the way you were. I mean, she's she's not, like this is this is over for me. He's it's frustrating that I have to keep him in my life right. because of you. But like yeah, I'm just sick of his shit. I don't care. Yeah. It, it's lovely. It, it, it again, it feels so lived in in a way that a lot of a lot of Odyssey episodes that Lawler writes feels like he's trying to take on sort of the persona of a different writer, right? Mm -hmm. He's trying to mimic sort of the His Girl Friday banter. Right, because he also also is trying to write with a sensibility that's like 40 years older than he is. Yeah, or, or there are times where he's like trying to be McCusker. Right. Uh And it seems like he doesn't quite fit into that. But this one feels like a very genuine Lawler episode. And Mm -hmm. I never thought we'd get that from him. Truly. I I did not think he had it in him. I mean, I think the reason that it does succeed is that he's just allowing the action to sit with the characters and the characters are at this point developed enough that we really know who they are. Part of the problem, I think, with with Lawler's writing is that he often has a tendency to like take the kid characters and just have them be really fucking annoying. Yeah. Whereas in this episode, the stakes are clear. The characters are clear. And although Bill is technically a new character, yeah. he doesn't just exist as a device. He's 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 yeah. really sharply defined. I mean, a childhood friend of mine, his dad was just kind of this guy. And this is a very this is a specific type of guy. And it's a real kind of guy. It's yeah. somebody who I think wants to do the right thing, but just doesn't know how, because for whatever reason, they've never developed sort of the level of maturity to allow them to see outside of themselves and truly understand how their actions impact other people. And yeah. it's also not a coincidence that people who are like that also have a tendency to, you know, uh, dump the women that they're with the moment that they are no longer new and shiny. Right. These are the fucking mm-hmm. Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio's of the world. Yeah, Phil Waller is showing respect for these characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? In part because yeah, there are no children here, right? There's there's your regulars and adult characters. Yes. And one of the big things and we I've brought this up before is right when June has to give Connie advice, June is not a Christian. That has oh, to sure. remain right. a clear point is that you know Connie became a Christian, she's the only one in her family who's like that. And so June's advice has to be non-Christian advice, but they're still not making her into a, a a straw woman 
They are right. they have to give her good advice because you're also supposed to listen to your parents. So this is what they have her say to Connie. How do you cope? Well, there's no easy answer to that, but I think the best things are to do what you're supposed to do and and realize that life goes on. I know that's not terribly original, but it is true. Well, I certainly know that life goes on. Right. Ask anyone else. It would be like, well, you've got to pray about it. Right. You know? Yeah. But June wouldn't say that. So she says, well, do what you're supposed to do. And life goes on. Yeah. Well, in the, the, the episode kind of lands in a strange place after this, too, with its wrap up, because like it can't really square the circle on this. Right. Like mm-hmm. Connie is supposed to respect her father because you're supposed to respect your father. But Bill's kind of a piece of shit. The way that we sort of end up dividing this. um, well, first of all, uh, Connie meets up with Bill and April and April actually really likes the socks uh, that Connie was thinking about getting for Bill. Yeah. And she's <laughs> a flight attendant. Had a, uh, started out with a one night stand with Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he has 30th birthday. Yeah. And Connie gets this dig in. She goes, well, maybe I'll get them for you for Mother's <laughs> yeah. Day. Get yeah. ass. Uh, April is Bob Luttrell's wife, mm. Lynn. And then April just kind of goes up to the room to jerk it for a while while, uh, <laughs> while, Connie, while Connie and Bill. What? Wait, no, no, no. What? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I, I'm going to go up to the hotel room. And he's like, uh, are you sure? She's like, yeah, no, I really I really want to go up to the hotel room. You you all just talk down here. I, I know where I'm not wanted. She goes up to the hotel room and... Uh, you know, uh, uh, plays the plays the hits. What are you talking about? She she goes down to Clamtown. What are you talking about? Wait, what? She uh, she, she rings the devil's doorbell. Hold on. She, she flicks what? the life fantastic. Why did you what? take that away from this? Why was that your takeaway? Well, I think it's because she clearly went upstairs to <laughs> give the old meat curtains a slap. Jesus, a slap? Yeah, the slap. The NBC <laughs> limited <laughs> series. Connie, yeah, she goes to New York. She sees her grandmother. Uh, she hangs out with Bill, presumably in the future, and they they decide that they are going to see a show. Yep. And I was thinking, you know, here it is. It is June of 1992. It's busting yeah. out all over. It sure is. It's much AJ. like me in that regard. It sure mm-hmm. is. And I was thinking, much like April what in the Broadway, <laughs> what Broadway show? Because I don't think they're going off Broadway. They're from Ohio. That's not happening. Correct. No. They're not what Broadway show are they going to be seeing? Sure. Yeah, I mean, right. I, for me, the answer it's it's clearly Cats, right? This is not. I mean, at this point, it, Cats is not new. Cats has yeah. been running for actually quite a long time. But we're talking about your standard issue tourist from the Midwest. Cats yeah. was, I think, the fifth highest uh, grossing show of 1992. It very much still had legs at that time. Yeah, now plus, and forever plus, was a thing. Still, plus Roy Cohn got Bill his tickets. So, but like, Bill is a man of class, you know. Yeah. Like, Bill, Bill's a guy. Bill, Bill's a sophisticated man, as we can all tell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a normal man. He's an innocent man, you know? He could be taking her to Phantom, you know? He could be sure. taking her to uh, the Secret Garden and see Mandy Patinkin. I, I do think the Secret Garden is actually a real possibility. Um, yeah, no, go take her to see the Secret also, Garden and see Mandy Patinkin refuse to do a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> there's also, hey, what what about falsettos? No. You know? No. Or, no. Or, or the legendary revival of Guys and Dolls with Nathan Lane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. And Faith Prince? I mean, come on. You're, you're, you're telling me Bill? Bill Kendall is going to miss that? 
Bill Kendall is not seeing falsettos. That's too also remember, for that. Let's man. also remember we've got the Will Rogers Follies, which has Cy Coleman songs in it. Sure does. Uh, <laughs> there's Miss Saigon. Oh, there the is a helicopter Ms. that oh, sometimes yeah. works. They, 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 they saw Miss Saigon. They saw Miss Saigon. Saigon. Okay, but then I also have to raise this for you guys. All these are musicals. What about the plays? What oh, about, what about the plays? Oh, the, the, the linchpin. Of, yeah. of the American dramatic arts. Something maybe, Aldi, maybe maybe they go they go see something by uh, Tennessee Williams. Mm. Maybe perhaps that something is a streetcar named Desire, starring Alec Baldwin. Oh yeah, and Stanley what? Kowalski. Wait, he, Alec Baldwin was Stanley on Broadway. He absolutely was, which oh, is stealing man. Polish valor. They could be seeing Death in the Maiden with Richard Dreyfus mm. and and Gene Hackman. I genuinely have no idea what that is. Directed by Mike Nichols. Oh, okay. wow. we like right? him. We like Mike. What? Maybe they're seeing uh, back on the musical side, uh, perhaps five guys named Mo oh, or I Jelly's Last Jam. Maybe Jelly's Last Jam. I hope or they aren't seeing crazy five guys for named you. Mo. Hey! I definitely hope they aren't seeing Crazy for You. Or hey, that choreography or, is great. They could be seeing the Roundabout Theater Company revival of The Visit by Friedrich oh, they Dürrenmatt. Could. <laughs> they could. Maurice but Valenci. they're probably not. I, they I, didn't see they they couldn't see the visit. It was already closed by June, but I needed to put that in there. Oh, um, of course. Of course. So, yeah. I think my vote actually is for Miss Saigon. Um that, okay. that yeah. to me feels probable. I think it's a toss up between Miss Saigon and Cats just because I think April will be really into Cats. I yeah. feel like as a divorced man, mm-hmm. Bill Kendall is going to be like, "Hey, do you remember that book you really liked when you were 3, The Secret Garden?" That like your mom oh, read to you. Interesting. Yeah. What yeah. if we saw the secret That's garden? A good and then Connie's like, "This is boring as fuck." <laughs> and, then, dude. and then April would go up to her hotel room and explore her secret garden. So, oh lord, <laughs> AJ, are you doing okay, the man? Apple of the tree. I'm so depressed. I'm so depressed. <laughs> All right, so we find ourselves. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think they're I think y'all are skipping over the detail that Bill for his breakfast orders a tall glass of tomato juice, which is uh, absolutely unhinged behavior. Well, that's what you do when you're an alcoholic. Oh, oh, I, I mean, didn't. It's not catch quite a that. Bloody Mary, yeah. but you know, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. there's something the in that tomato juice. Yeah. And oh, I did need to bring this up. Oh fuck, I did need to. I, I forgot about this. Connie says that she's going to arrange Bill's flight to New York. Bill has totally handled his trip to to Ohio from California. Yes, right. But now Connie's gonna gonna get his his trip taken care of because she says she does it for wit all the time. Yes, Connie is wit's travel agent. I, I took that, that note. What, I took that what is happening? <laughs> what is that shit? Is she just his assistant? I mean, she has to be, right? Yeah. Like it's not yeah. like. Why wouldn't Eugene be the one doing that? That's yeah. true. So much more orderly. You will miss that. your connection if Connie is the one booking your flight. Yeah. Like, uh, but Eugene's probably not great on the phone. Sure. Connie, why do I have a yet, layover so. in Tokyo? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you wanted to see the cherry blossoms. <laughs> you know how I feel about the Pacific, Connie. <laughs> like I said, the episode really lands in a strange place. Chris comes in and does her whole fucking thing. She's like, it'd be nice if there was an easy answer. Answer, but there isn't. <laughs> it's like okay, Which, thanks, yep. Chris. Good for her. That's gross she's, on Chris's part. She's not wrong. But she of says course, give the divorce to Jesus. We do what we do. We do want to give the divorce to Jesus. We do want to pray. Yeah, we want to lift it up. The, this show is never comfortable sitting in a place of narrative or moral ambiguity. There yeah. always has to be this, like, well, just you know, Jesus, Jesus, yeah. dude, he'll take care of it. Because as we know, Christian families never get divorced. No, Mm-mm. no. 
Oh wow, that is true. I, I, I honestly, I'd forgotten that Connie's parents did not convert with her because it does nope. kind of feel yeah. like a a contagion on this yeah. show in a very real way. Our next episode is episode two thirty. Our father. This is the second album where they went with a theme, right? Where they were like thinking about the tapes that were going to get released, and they're going to then they did twelve episodes that fit a theme, right? Right. So previously there was Meanwhile in another part of town where everything was narrated. Right. You remember hearing those. You're oh, like, why the fuck so is there a narrator weird. going yeah. on? They did that for 12 episodes. <laughs> and this one is 12 episodes all going along the Lord's Prayer. So the first Whoa. episode is Our Father, second one, Who Art in Heaven. We've heard a couple from this already. I have spaced them out a little bit because it's pretty Barkley heavy. Yeah, sure. And it's also very Phil Lawler heavy. Um, So yeah. here we are uh, where uh, these next three episodes are all from that album. And at the beginning of this episode, it's baseball, motherfucker. This is just for me. Um, and and now I'm going to do the thing that is more characteristic of Brian and say, at the beginning of this episode, we Ooh. have a baseball commentator named Van Scuddy and a baseball uh-huh. commentator named Port Rosser. Now, you might hear that and you might just think, OK, those are silly names, right? Well, mm-hmm. well, this oh. is an oddly specific reference to the actual L.A. Dodger baseball. Oh, shit. Van Scuddy. Van Scuddy is uh-huh. a reference to Vin Scully, who was the voice of the Dodgers oh, for like 65 sure years. I can imitate see, Vin Scully. That's from The Simpsons. Yeah. 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 And see, I heard Scuddy and I was just like, well, that's just a Dutch name. No. That's just some Dutch guy. No, Van Scuddy uh, is, is just it's just Vin Scully. And it's a very oh, bad wow. attempt at doing his thing from the voice actor. And then Port mm-hmm. Rosser. Well, you know who the color guy was uh, for, you know, the last decade or two decades ish of Vince Scully's career. It was a man named Ross Porter. So, you know, Port Rosser. Um, so, you know, so uh, I will say Vince Scully, <laughs> one of the best to ever do it. You know, definitely go back and listen to that call of Sandy Koufax's perfect game. It's fucking amazing. So Lawrence, this episode is, decides to do a, a secret life of Walter Mitty thing. Yeah, yeah, where yeah, yeah. We're following the young child Lawrence's uh, in flights of fancy mm-hmm. and it bugged the shit out of me. So I did not clip it. It's really annoying. So Lawrence is a character that we met back when Jimmy uh, was going through puberty. Yeah. And Lawrence was like, I'm a young kid and let's play games in the treehouse right. that is that is called Wonder World and in the deep lore of the show was built by our own uh, young Mr. Dig Willow and I did not subject AJ to that episode. Double D. Uh, Thank you. Last episode was one that we switched around with this one and I forgot how much continuity there was and I'm Mm. like oh fuck it doesn't matter but Lawrence is also the one who later on has the whole thing with Jimmy's game but doesn't actually because it's simulated Lawrence it's it's all in the room of consequences yeah right yeah Yeah. that's a good point um that it's not a real Lawrence it's the Lawrence that's a program but wit is talking to the programs (laughs) while Jimmy is just doing something else he's comatose in the corner simulated Lawrence breaks Jimmy's Bible game boy nose bleeding (laughs) eyes rolling in the back of his head guys I am so mad I was not there for the episode because that had some of the weirdest shit. Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Lawrence, everything that he is doing here is a reflection of his mental state around something that's happening. So like here he is, you know, it's it's bottom of the ninth, full count, etc. He needs to hit the home run to get the walk off for the Dodgers. What's going on in real life is he's invited his dad to come to his Little League game. And he's imagining what it would be like to have, you know, his dad cheering him on in that way. But his dad is like, nope, can't make it. We get a one-sided phone call there. And yeah, uh, yeah. 
He says, uh, strike three, you're out. Lawrence says that. His, and I was actually his kind dad of... is Robin Williams in Hook. <laughs> uh, I was kind of sad that then Lawrence imagined striking out in the bottom of the ninth inning for the Dodgers. That was a bummer. Okay, so here's the thing. I genuinely really like this episode. Uh, mm. I really like how weird and different it is from most episodes of Odyssey that we've listened to. I felt like it was pretty adventurous in its structure the fact that we spent we were like so it was adventurous in odyssey of, yeah well, we were so <laughs> yeah. in lawrence's head and that it, we did yeah. follow all this stuff and uh and it was a very much a show don't tell which is again is very yeah. very mm-hmm. weird for lawler because it's not like we hear the other side of the phone call right mm-hmm. we just mm-hmm. hear his disappointment and we know that his dad is canceled on him. similarly in the next thing well actually it's not similarly i don't know what the fuck is happening in the next part where he is imagining being a secret agent who is in a spy submarine that has been shrunk down and implanted and signed the it's president. The fantastic yeah. voyage, Josh. Oh, sure. Listen, my only note here was that all of the sound effects were also used in the original XCOM, and I just thought that was kind of funny. But he he ends up over at George Barkley's house, the house of the Barkley family, who remembered yeah. Barkley's, that's our all-American family. They're the stand-in. If you are the standard white middle-class family listening to this on road trips for 10 fucking years in the car getting this goddamn shit blasted into your fucking brain Uh and now it's just there and it never wants to leave like a small child implanted inside of you the Barclays are uh, you know supposed to be the family that you empathize with here dad they finally set a date for the father-son baseball clinic. Whoa. That's great, Jimmy. Can we still go? When is it? In two weeks. Hey, cool. then you better get that application in right away. Yeah. Wow, can I go? Oh. Well, Lawrence, this is a father-son clinic. <laughs> yeah, Lawrence, you'd ask your dad. Oh. I love going to the baseball clinic with my dad. Same. I love I love it when when there's clinics for baseball. I mean, was this a thing that either of you? I, I mean, don't I pl- think I so. I played no. baseball as a kid, uh, and then I very <laughs> famously stopped playing baseball as a kid. There weren't enough Pokemon cards in the world. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, no, there wasn't. No, um, but that was also because have I told this story before about how I got allergies and why I left baseball? Were you allergic to the baseball? No, I was allergic. <laughs> Were you to, allergic to baseball? I was allergic to pollen in the grass and because uh. I was, here's what happened when you played little league I don't know if this is the case across the board but if you were bad at I it they did soccer they put you in the outfield and the outfield okay. is where the grass is where the grass is and so I was bad and I was put out there and my eyes basically would swell sure, shut sure. <laughs> And so, what the, you know, first of all, no one in that, at that level of Little League is hitting the ball to the outfield. No, like, no, no one no, has the power no, to do it. But no. when they would, I wouldn't be able to see the ball because my eyes were fucking swelled shut. Right, so right, right, I, right. I left baseball pretty, pretty uh, early on, much to the chagrin of my mom, uh, <laughs> uh, who is a huge Dodgers fan. Oh, so, so you did grow up listening to Vin Scully on the radio. Uh, we listen. No, we actually, we listened to the Padres. Uh, there was a oh, guy who okay. would go, oh, Doc. Was like his sort of catchphrase. So we had our own version of that. Oh. But I know Vin Scully from Hank Azaria's impression of him on The Simpsons. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and, I don't know. And that... of course, the baseball team in The Simpsons is what? The Astros? No. The Atomic? No. Uh, no. Fuck. Oh, fuck. yeah. What is uh, it? The Isotopes. Yeah. That's right. Do you know why I know yeah. that? Why? Because Albuquerque in like, I don't know, 2002, maybe it was just 2000. 
they changed the name of their team from the Dukes, which I thought was very clever because it's the Duke of Albuquerque, yeah. whatever, uh, to the Isotopes. Oh, hell yeah. There's actually a bunch of jokes in The Simpsons from around that time about Albuquerque stealing their name. That's great. We made the atomic bomb here. Yeah, it's sort of like how uh, in Midland, Michigan, the mascot is, I think, the Mechists or the Mechanists? The me- 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 Mechanists? Mechics? Mechanics? Me- it's something to Rude do with machinists. It's something to do with Dupont Chemical. Uh, oh, okay. It's the chemics. That's what it is. The chemics. The chemics. Oh, yes. wow. Um, wow. I would just call it the poisoned water supply. I, yeah. I mean, look, yeah. Midland is the most depressing place That's I've ever been in the Jersey. world. Um, but uh, <laughs> that can go if you want. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm keeping it. But it's we're talking about this because like this episode does not have a whole no. lot going on. No, but no. it also kind of does because then. <laughs> He gets recruited into a gang yeah. by Rusty. Yes. Rusty, this new Bone of Wrath character. Of course, Rodney Rathbone has the Bones of Wrath. And so Rusty is, uh, in this episode, apparently his name is Rusty Malone. Uh, his name ends up being Rusty Gordon mm. later on. Rusty interrupts Lawrence as he is attempting to build uh, Dadenstein, or I guess Dadenstein's monster. Yes, that's right. Yeah. What yeah. keeps your dad away from you? He's working. Bingo. My dad's always working, too. You think he's got time for me? I know exactly how you feel. Yeah. Get that bird out of here. It's <laughs> a very loud bird. No skin off my nose. I just thought you might be interested in something that's a little better than a dad. What? Membership in the Bones of Wrath. And right as he does it, you can hear the thunder starting to crack. And it's just like after this, it's just a, a storm is brewing here. That bird was so loud that it reminded me of the cicadas in Evangelion. And I'm like, <laughs> Lawrence doesn't not have Shinji vibes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. yeah just Rusty climbs up to the treehouse and he and Lawrence stare at each other for 45 seconds uninterrupted. <laughs> with no dialogue. As the bird screams in the background. <laughs> But, you know, for, for, for Lawrence, this is an appealing proposition, right? Yeah. Um, he finally has the opportunity to become part of something bigger than himself. Oh, and, and Rusty, I, I want to say, oh, yeah. uh, Rusty is played by Sean Svoboda. I think this is the first instance of a Czech American mm. actor on Adventures in Odyssey. Any noteworthy credits, or is it just that? (laughs) No, no, he's not an actor anymore. (laughs) Lawrence returns home, and his mom notices that he's acting a little bit differently. Lawrence, breakfast is almost ready. Oh, you baby cakes. (laughs) Baby cakes? Lawrence, don't call me that. Okay, toots. Don't (laughs) call me that, either. What should I call you? How about mom? This scene goes on much longer. Oh, it's so long. Interminable. And he's talking like, I guess, Bugsy Malone is what they're aiming for. He's just a little grease ball now because he's joined a gang of other six-year-olds. Like, Yeah, but it's also like your brain has been trained up to this point to like view a lot of this stuff as fantasy sequences. And if this Mm -hmm. were a fantasy sequence, I'd be like, okay, that seems harmless and fine. But he is picturing himself as like the good fellas. Yeah. I think what they're trying to do is kind of like the Calvin and Hobbes thing, right? Where, okay. uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. what Calvin is experiencing in his mind and his world is different from what his mother is perceiving to be happening, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and this feels kind of like that. I also, can, can we can you hit us real quick, Brian, with the music cue that opens this oh, yeah, scene? Yeah, the way that we let in. <laughs> Just want to hear that. <laughs> what the fuck is that? 
That's a that's a cartoon cat looking into the camera and slowly raising his arms as in a what <laughs> what, what what can what can you it's do? It's just a mess. Um, I wanted to mention Maureen Hodges here for a moment, the mom of Lawrence. Uh, she is played by Janet Waldo. Janet Waldo is going to be a major actor later on because she's going to play Joanne Allen. Oh, right. I can't believe we found her. Yeah, that's true. Janet Waldo is, by the way, that is a name that might be ringing a bell for you. Because she was Judy Jetson. Oh, shit. For like decades. Uh, she was also a recurring car- uh, actor on Ozzy and Harriet, The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet, a very, very long running 50s, 60s era sitcom. She died in 2016 at the age of 97. She was also married to Robert E. Lee. Ah. Uh, yes, that one, the one you're thinking of right now. The no. famous American what? playwright. Oh, yes. Oh. Robert E. Lee, the playwright, was he, he collaborated with Jerome Lawrence. Oh. They actually kind of were some of the founding members of like Armed Forces Radio going into World War II. Oh. They wrote anti-mame and adapted it into the musical Mame. And they probably most famously wrote the play Inherit the Wind about the Scopes monkey trial. Lawrence leaves and George comes over to the house to talk to Lawrence's mom about this father-son trip. And he's like, hey. You know, I know Lawrence's dad isn't around a lot. You know, if if he wants to come on the trip with us, you know, with me and Jimmy. Yeah, there's this interesting level of like self-awareness that you don't really see in Adventures in Odyssey that much where George was like probably right after Lawrence left was like, what did I just do? Oh, Mm -hmm. my God. No, I. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, really. I bet I made that kid feel terrible. So he comes over like a gentleman and he's like, hey, do 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 does Lawrence want to come along with Jimmy and me to the 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 clinic? The clinic for baseball. Right. Mm-hmm. The baseball clinic for dads and sons. It's so it, it is weird, right? Why is it a clinic? Also, like, no why idea. isn't it just if if, an event? I also feel like if, if it's going to be a, a, a father-son clinic, something like tennis would be a lot more appropriate. Baseball is just such a strange choice for something like yeah. that. Yeah. So the reason that Lawrence isn't home is that he's actually out there getting initiated into the Bones of Wrath. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're making him like cut his wrist yeah uh, oh god no <laughs> He's, he has to make the blood sacrifice <laughs> so that he can summon shalman uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the worst they do the bones is they steal apples that don't belong to them at least it's not pears yeah so while this is happening jimmy comes by and he's like hey lawrence want to play catch he has no idea what's happening yeah. i guess he kind of knows rusty and thinks that kid kind of sucks mm-hmm. and then rusty's like no and Lawrence is like, yeah, I don't want to play catch with you because catch is for sissies. And so then Jimmy mm-hmm. gets into a big sissy fight <laughs> with the other guys. Look, Jimmy, catch is for sissies. Says who? Says me. Well, I guess you'd know better than anyone, wouldn't you? You calling me a sissy? Well, if the dress fits. Come and on, Bartley. Jimmy, Jimmy did a problematic. Oh, that's, Jimmy did a that's transphobia. Problematic. That's problematic. Yeah. Yeah, We're canceled. the one time this show has been problematic. We are no. calling Jimmy Barkley out, frankly. Um, yeah. You know... Yeah. If, if we were feeling more sympathetic, we might call him in. But this is a case where we really feel that yeah. we have to call him yeah. out. He did a no growth. He did it. He did it in public. You know, yeah. it's it's got to be reckoned with in public. Public actions require public call outs. So Lawrence has a choice to make now, right? <laughs> he can either choose going to the baseball clinic with Jimmy and George, or mm-hmm. he can choose to join the Bones of Wrath. But joining the Bones of Wrath, of course, requires that he do something for his initiation. And th- in this case, yeah. the initiation act is to smash flower pots. Uh, and these flower pots belong to the Barkley family. And this show, because they've been doing this Walter Mitty thing this whole time, they sort of make it seem like he's not entirely 
lucid or sane when yeah, he he's, uh, breaks yeah. the flower pot. He's, he's just like, I'm driving a spaceship. <laughs> like, he lands the ship. He's, like, running around shooting stuff with his gun. He's taking incoming from, like, an artillery gun that the, that the <laughs> enemy is firing at him. Lawrence's mom. And I actually really kind of liked this. Like, she's mm-hmm. fucking beside herself, as 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 would be expected. Yeah, I didn't clip it because she's beside herself mostly in the background. Yeah. They which... do a really interesting foreground background thing because you kind of you know what she's going to say. Right. So then it becomes a conversation between Jimmy and George while she is yelling at Lawrence in the background. So we have these sort of two layers of action. But the big the, the gist here, right, is kids need a dad. Yeah. If they don't have enough dad, yeah. they're going to be gang. You need more and dad. If they do if they do be gang, then they know dad have not in, anymore new gang gang dad, not Jesus being dad uh, on the dad of the dad. <laughs> and this is interesting too because, you know, it points to Focus's diagnosis of the problem that Maybe isn't wrong exactly, but it definitely isn't right either. I talked a bit about this when I went on Mammonberg like a, a week or so ago. Focus on the family diagnoses things like, say, gangs and, and the proliferation of gangs as mm-hmm. being primarily an issue of the collapse of the traditional nuclear family, male role models, things of that nature, without considering, oh, wait, why are all of those dads missing? And right. the situation that Lawrence is in is that his dad is missing because he's a workaholic, basically, and also yeah, travels he's, for he's work. And so a truck driver or something. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, but the reality of the situation is that something like this, as it exists in the real world, is inexorably tied to how the criminal justice system works. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. focus on the family isn't ready for that conversation they're not going to have it and if you go to their policy website you're not going to find a single fucking word about criminal justice reform or anything like that because they fundamentally don't have a structural material approach to the problem they just think it's like well if there were more dads we'd be fine but even like the the idea of structural approaches though remember there used to be a goofy police officer character on this show right until james dobson made them remove him from every episode where he had appeared before right so there they do have a structural critique and their structural idea is that more cops need to be in place yeah more arrests more incarceration we need to trust our police we love our police we love the fbi we love the fbi we love the fbi they do keep trying to like reinforce this idea mm-hmm. of the nuclear family as being the paramount one to us, you know, society yeah. and all that. But it's amazing how time and time again, it proves the shortcomings of that nuclear family. And I don't, uh-huh. I, I think in the next episode that we'll get to after the break, uh, none more so then when that nuclear family breaks down. Buenos aires, listeners. It's a me, Luigi, owner and proprietor of Papa Luigi's, located in scenic Merced, California, the Albany of Central California. Listeners, is your marriage on the rocks? Do you look at your partner and see a stranger? Do you crave the joys of eating a big plate of peschetti without the constant fear of ghosts? Then come on down to Papa Luigi's, celebrating our grand reopening after that brief bout of specter based on pleasantness. We have all your favorite Italian dishes, bruschette, paschetti, and limited breadsticks. So come on down to Papa Luigi's and stare in wonder at all of our portraits containing the souls of all the ghosts I sucked up with my vacuum and imprisoned there forever. Several of them are babies. 
Why are so many of them babies? What happened here? What horrible atrocity was committed at Papa Luigi's that would warrant this many ghost babies? I tried to ask once. There was this large mustachioed chef ghost I caught trying to steal my paschetti around midnight one night. I hit him with my flashlight to stun him, and then I grabbed his... tail? I hope? with my vacuum, and let me tell you, he put up quite a fight. Unfortunately, no ghost escapes the judgment of my cum. But then, just before fully breaching my nozzle, I asked him why. Why was this store so haunted by ghosts? And he looked at me and said, We are a nuisance to you. A pest to be cast aside, disposed of. But someday... It will be you being sucked into the vacuum. And it is only then that you will know the truth. What truth? Oh, Luigi, we are all ghosts. As you are now, so once were we. And we will never forgive you. So come on down to Papa Luigi's today and enjoy the precious time you have with your loved ones before the inevitability of death. Papa Luigi's. Lego, my prego. So these have been major bummer episodes, frankly. Yeah, a bit. I mean, we and, didn't Yeah, even... and now the mood's going to pick up. It's yeah. going to be a lot nicer. Yeah, exactly. Now. I mean, we didn't even mention <laughs> the fact that Lawrence gets his happy ending, but then Chris turns right around and says, One day... Maybe Lawrence's dad will be able to spend time at home with him. And you it's know, like, God, and you know Chris reached into the future, and that does not happen. April Lawrence's dad him. does not show up. Well, she says it in a way that makes it sound like really a passive-aggressive dig. Like, uh-huh. maybe it'll happen, but... Uh, Ow, this kid's pretty weird. This kid has bad vibes. Weird kid, bad vibes. No, he just won't get in the robot. Are you telling me Shinji doesn't have bad vibes, AJ? It's the fucking <laughs> no, worst No, he just likes me for real. So let's move on to an episode that deals with, I guess, tough issues, although tries yeah. to do it with levity in a kind of weird fucking way. <laughs> yeah, the tone uh, of this one's all over the goddamn place. Oh my place. god, is it ever. This is episode 234, Our Daily Bread. Yeah, they do the they do the classic thing, right, which is like the the Steve Martin advice on playwriting or play acting really, which is that you want to be happy and laughing when you pick up the phone if it's bad news and you want to be crying right. when you pick up the phone if it's if it's good news. Right. And so here we are, George is George is like, "Oh man, here I am at at outside the office of Mr. Conworth, played by Phil Waller, really makes you think. There's this extended bit about the secretary thinking that George's last name being Broccoli, which isn't funny, yeah. but I laughed anyway for some reason. It just made you think of the James Bond. I, I actually each think time. that's what it was. Yeah, was like okay. Broccoli, Albert Broccoli, and I started thinking about Cubby and Barbara Broccoli. But the thing is, like George. George, that is George's job. He does make James Bond. Oh, that's his off he, at, at the office. Oh, he goes okay. into the office and he makes James. He's Bond. the guy who makes James Bond. Got it. That's funny yeah. because that's actually what Willie Loman sells in Death of a Salesman as well. <laughs> it's James, James Bond videotapes. Yeah. talking about how like all of the guys who he used to talk to were so sold on buying his film reels, but now that things have moved to VHS, the game just isn't the same <laughs> as what it used to be. But he's still got it. Just a whole bunch of film canisters clanking around in his suitcase the whole play. <laughs> Hey, listeners, I hope you love Arthur Miller. 
<laughs> yeah, the Barkley family is at home. Yes. They're all at home yes. and they're all excited about what George's promotion, because I guess he's been telling them about it this week. Maybe they went to the park with him on, you know, a relatively any, ordinary any Sunday. Day, potentially. They're speculating yeah. on, you know, what is the raise going to be? They're thinking about ways that they're going to spend George's money. So what's your new title? Yeah, and how big of a raise did you get? Jimmy? <sighs> Not a very big one, I'm afraid. In fact, I didn't get a raise at all. What? Oh, man. You didn't get the promotion? No. Well, didn't you get anything? Yes. I got laid off. I don't have a job. George's factory yes. is being closed and yes. moved to a town, the town of Hope, Arkansas. Hope, Arkansas. Yeah. This is not just, that's not plucked out of thin the air. The weirdest here. fucking Bill Clinton reference. Yeah, like, that's oh, where he's from. Oh. You don't know that, AJ, a boy from I, Hope? I didn't know that, no. Yeah. That's why he had all that audacity. Yeah. Oh. This is Phil Lawler being like, well, now that Bill Clinton is president, yeah. the economy, <laughs> am I right? Wow. Well, and it's really important, right? This is June of 1993, and we are still in that recession that happened at right. the tail end of the George H.W. Bush administration. Oh, sure. Thankfully, a Bush wouldn't cause another recession ever again. Right. This is this is one of those things where I was like, this is so specific. Like, yeah. the, the writing is rarely, if ever, this targeted toward the adults listening and being right. like, hey, grownups, you sure do fucking hate the libs like us, don't you? Remember, remember Slick Willie? Whatever entertainment I listen to, I have to be like vigorously nodding my head along mm. with it or I just mm. can't pay attention to of it. Of course. So this was just a way to like hook them back in. Donna freaks the fuck out. Right. She starts catastrophizing. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, frankly, George is also experiencing anxiety because yeah, George, George becomes depressed. Yeah. And he's having some weird dreams. There we go. Shirt number 200. Mom, we're home. Now, why are you kids home so early? I actually love oh, this. Oh, we got run off I'm, by the police I'm again. Genuinely you know, very they don't like us begging at City Hall. <laughs> well, how much did you get before they ran you off? Between us, nearly $5. Not bad. <laughs> I just finished ironing 200 shirts. <laughs> At a nickel a piece? That's... that's $10. Uh-huh. And as soon as I finish this load of the Wilson's laundry, we'll have another $5. This is like the beginning that's of a Kingdom Hearts today. boss battle music. <laughs> the music, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I, I that's gotta go to music. pay off our bills. Mm. You mean we can't buy food again? It's the oh, bell I'm muscle. afraid not, sweetheart. Hey, but don't you worry, your father's bringing home something. Hey, where is everybody? Out here, George. Hey, Dad, how did the hunting go? The pickings mighty slim out in the park, but I did manage <laughs> to bag this squirrel. Uh, that looks more like a rat, Dad. Squirrel, rat, it's meat, ain't it? Fire up the stew pot, Mary. We're gonna eat tonight. All right! No, no we can't. We can't George, go. George, George, no. No, the squirrels. <laughs> Not the squirrels. Again, there's just like some really kind of fun specificity there. Where, yeah, like Mary's ironing. It's all like from like the 1910s. Right, yeah, no, George. Like he's gotten the varmint rifle. He's, on he's the going Oregon out shooting trail. possums. Dude, I'm sorry, how did you pronounce that? There, Josh? Uh, Oregon Trail. It's Oregon. Pronounce it right sure is. No, it, no, it is not. As a it West not. Coast person, it is not. Yeah. It is Oregon. I can it is not it. Oregon. I can pronounce you it Aaron that way. Sorkin character. I can pronounce it that way. And I do, frequently. But you have to, I mean, I've never met anyone who pronounced it. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'm a band <laughs> oh, it matters. I'm a band it matters. We're never going to Oregon <laughs> the way that Josh is fucking around like this. <laughs>
<laughs> I find it really interesting that his only recourse, this fully grown man, is just like, I either have a job or I eat a squirrel in a park. Do you know what I mean? I right. think that's, mm-hmm. I, there does seem to be a little bit in this episode of me not fully buying that George Barkley wouldn't know what the unemployment office is. Or I don't know, man. I disagree. I, I think, you know, it is a very, it is very plausible that a guy who is this age who you know went into the workforce probably in like the late 70s early 80s who was continuously employed the entire time sure would suddenly find this to be a completely disorienting experience because he doesn't literally think he's going to be hunting for varmints he you know he's having a nightmare about it but he does say that he 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 doesn't think he might not ever get a job again yeah you know what i mean because he's got anxiety i i well because bill clinton a democrat is in the white house that's fair exactly very very fair with a man in the white house (laughs) i don't know i mean i i did buy it even if it was maybe drawn a little bit broadly what's interesting is like you have to think about too the reason why they're trying to write this you know their audience is typically comfortable middle class people right sure they're yeah. probably getting letters they're probably finding that there's a big part of their like wide net donor base that is dropping off right now right because of the early 90s reception right. sure, sure, Recess- yeah, yeah. recession because of the savings and loan and all that nonsense so they're like oh well we have to do something that's addressing this, this is going to be a reality for these like middle class kids who are listening to our show right yeah and we still need them to buy tapes. We do. Yes. We yes. desperately need them to buy these and tapes. We, we need them to keep their parents on the mailing list. Yeah. Right. Well, we get this very lovely, I think, very lovely scene between Mary and George in bed after he wakes up from this anxiety dream. And they they pray together, but it doesn't. There's so many times in Odyssey where the prayer will come in and I'll be like, oh, this was fucking shoehorned in there. Yeah. You know, just it, so they can al- get it in. It's almost like they throw up the little applause sign there. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, here you go. Pray. But- You're praying. <laughs> fucking clap like a seal motherfucker. Yeah. But for <laughs> this episode, I bought it because they're in a dire situation. And this yeah. is how people with their faith background would yes. express that. Mm-hmm. You know Absolutely. what I mean? It feels like it comes from the character as opposed to being shoved down my throat by focus on the fan. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. I have some thoughts about prayer in this context as well. You know, it's always been an interesting thing, particularly in this strain of Christianity, the way that they pray. One of the things that we haven't really talked about on this show, and uh, maybe at some point we will, is this uh, The Prayer of Jabez, which is a very popular book Mm -hmm. by Bruce Wilkinson. Oh, um, that really fucking it was it was a self-help book, basically. Yeah. So Jabez is a character that appears in the Bible in two verses. Oh, shit. Like, okay. that's it. Like, yeah. it's just like nothing. It's just like there was a guy named Jabez. He was named that way because his mother had incredible pain giving birth to him. And so, yeah, Jabez has this extremely short, almost epigrammatic, like haiku poem. Uh, that is a prayer like I want you to expand my horizons and I want you yes. to enlarge my territory enlarge and, my border uh, mm. and so mm. oh what Bruce Wilkinson did with his verse was he was like yeah what you need to do is you need to pray this every day as your daily affirmation and you'll get money eventually. oh okay so it's prosperity gospel stuff it's prosperity gospel adjacent it's like the okay. secret but for Christians this is not quite that but there is always something interesting to me about like the question of you know if God has a plan here and yeah. God's plan up until this point was your, for you to be financially well off and now you're not financially well off, you need to pray. Well, what about all the people who aren't financially well off? Have they just not prayed hard enough? And this kind of takes mm-hmm. us back to the previous thing 
we were right. talking about about like well who is deserving who is worthy if you are in a situation where your child is let's say off and uh running around because dad's not home if dad's not home for a legitimate reason that's one thing but you, you know what i right. mean like it all just kind of jimmy is going to join a gang of beggars mm. right but and then the plot of m is going to happen <laughs> right but but this one this one posits kind of the opposite right what if dad's just there all the time that's yeah. also mm-hmm. not Good, right? That right, also right. goes against the traditional nu- nuclear That's family. That's true. And, yeah, Mr. Mom is not an acceptable model. And uh, so George just starts getting cucked by his kids and wife on the <laughs> yeah. job market. Yeah. So, yeah, Mary's like, I'm going to start working again. Donna's like, I'll find a job. Jimmy, famously a bad student. He's not good at anything. He's like, I'm going to try to get a job. And George is like, yeah, good uh, good luck. Fat chance. Yep. Again, remembering, of course, that this is 1992, so... Single income households with two parents were still a thing at this time. Yeah. Then we get a job montage. Yeah. Well, your resume looks really good, George, but I'm afraid we just don't need any more people right now. I understand. We'll uh, keep you in our files, though. Thanks. George is such a beta. That's the most useless scene that's ever been written in anything <laughs> everybody. I got a job today. All right. Way to go. I was checking out the job board at City Hall when I ran into an old friend. She told me the head of City Parks was looking for a new recreation director, and I went in to talk to him, and he gave me the job. I start tomorrow. That's great. All right. That's great. The position involves a lot of computer technology, George. I'm afraid you just don't have that kind of experience. You mean I'm underqualified? Yes. I'm a quick learner. Sorry. Mom? Mom? What is Kramer going to get up to next? Well, you won't believe what happened. I just got a job. That's great, Donna. Yeah. You're now looking at a part-time stock clerk for Melman's Fashion. And it was the first place I applied, too. Really? Well, how about that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you have to be a useless piece of shit not so to get a how job. About it, Dale? <laughs> well, I, I want to help you out, George, but the Odyssey Times just isn't that big of a newspaper. I can't afford somebody with your experience. You mean I'm overqualified? I'm afraid so. <sighs> Ugh. That, that's, that, that bass synthesizer yeah, is my yeah. favorite thing. Hey, Jimmy. You'll never I'm get making a mockery of you, George. You got a job. Yeah. How'd you know? I'm going to deliver papers for the Odyssey Times. The Odyssey Times. Mm. No, mm. That's great, Jimmy. Just great. Man. So George being overqualified for the Odyssey Times yeah, what? never made sense. That doesn't to make me. any sense at all. I, I, I like we can't afford you. OK, hire him for less money. Like let him determine if he can't be afforded. At here's, here's, what, here's what I yeah. will say. I love the fact that John Campbell, composer for the show, was like, yeah. guys, I just got this Clavinova, this, yeah. this, this brand new Yamaha Clavinova. And oh. let me show you all the presets that are available on this motherfucker. There is something. OK, so I had a question about the overqualification thing. Is that something you, either of you have ever run into on any job interview ever being overqualified for a position? Anthony. Hmm. I've never been overqualified for anything. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm barely qualified to sit in front of a microphone and talk. I've never had this problem. Um, th- yes, 
is, oh, is, really? is, is the answer for me. Okay. A lot of it is just to do when you're in an overqualified situation, it's generally because they know that you can sort of demand more, even if that's not pay, like you'll agree mm. to the pay, but mm. that you would basically have more knowledge or clout or whatever than they are comfortable with somebody having at that level of the org because they want huh. to stay in control. That's generally what overqualified means in this context. That's, that's telling sure. us a lot about Dale Jacobs then. Yeah. Really? He's a small man. Yeah. A small, petty well, man. Well, we've known that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, this is not news. That genuinely is kind of the dynamic there. When, when you talk about being overqualified, it's we could give you this job, but mm-hmm. if you were to take it, you would upset the order and we can't have that. Yeah, even though this episode spends most of its time upset, like upsetting the natural order, right, of things, yeah. according to Focus on the Family. The sure. fact that, and according to you, A.J. Diddy. That's yes, right. Ac- Noted advocate of traditional family values. Yeah. A.J. I need Diddy. My, I, I need my families to run on fission or nothing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you're, you're fired. Yeah. You, you, sorry, you're laid off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. that was a good, like... Because, yeah, a kid's not necessarily going to know a term like laid off. And so the show is like, you were fired? No, I was laid off. What's the difference? And George is like, I guess there really isn't one. Yeah, not really. <laughs> I think I think that's really nice. I will say that the thing about having like the sizzle reel before the episode is that we hear that he's laid off then. And then it takes yep. that scene takes so long. Yeah, that was a strange choice. They should have that. picked different clips for the sizzle reel. Uh, and I feel like Odyssey shoots itself in the foot more often than not when it comes to those sizzle reels. I and, agree. Uh, you know, they get into a little bit of like how the sausage is made, like making an audio drama in the next episode that we that we listen to. But this one sure do. <laughs> uh, but but in this one, it is really interesting to see the show sort of growing into like an actual like structure that becomes yeah. a pretty salient, I think, throughout the rest of this, the run. But um, yeah. so Mary crunches the numbers. Um, yeah. Now that all everybody has a job except for George and great news, their combined income will cover the cost. They're going to have to tighten the belt a little bit, but they can pay their bills. They can make they can make yeah. ends meet. And this creates an absolute crisis of confidence for George. Well, it's kind of hard to explain, but a job means more to your dad than just a place to earn money. It's a part of who he is. It, it, it gives him a, a sense of identity and self-worth. Without it, he feels like a nobody. Boy, I think for the people in our sort of age bracket, this really hits home. Like this is just what sort of cusping boomer Gen X dads are like. Yeah, right. I mean, my my dad, it's like he he thinks of it as like losing his job, but he's like he's in his mid 60s. He does not have a job currently and hasn't for like five or six months now. And it was it's been like. It's been horrible for him. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do with that. It's interesting because, like, as humans, you know, we are defined so much by our jobs that, like, it's our last names. That's where most of our last names come from, right? Yeah. Is what our ancestors did, you know? You're, and your ancestors just made so many 
So many ditties. They did actually. That's, <laughs> the, that's the actually original, true. The original jingles. No, well, no, for, my, like the local blacksmith or or or, uh, or treacleist. My ancestors were actually minstrels for uh, English kings. They were Northern Irish uh, musicians that would compose short songs for the is kings. It, so we were called true? ditties. You're, you're, yeah, you're not, not doing true. a bit. This is no. True. That is not. Yeah. That is not a bit. That is 100 percent true. Hmm. Uh, and the curse of the ditty family is that ever since then, no ditty has had any musical ability whatsoever. Uh, we've everything that we have, we've had to learn. Like we have no like sort of innate like ability to produce music, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's fascinating to see jo- like like that generation specifically. Um, we I think as millennials have sort of moved it more that you know we're not just defined by what we do, right? We we are trying to find a way to be defined as just like have humans with inherent worth, uh, and well, to we feel fucking that way. hate our jobs, right? Yeah, like, and we also hate our jobs. I think in general, like we don't have the kinds of jobs that people that that men of this generation and of this class stature had right. that were like generally fine. You know, you could feel proud of the work that you were doing. And you were Even compensated you fairly for it. it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and a big piece of, you know, you want to talk about sort of the macro environment here. The the Reagan administration, you know, gutting the unions led to yeah. a great deal of explosive short term growth at the expense of the worker. So the economy mm-hmm. grew considerably. But ultimately what happened is that jobs got a lot less secure People got a lot less secure in what their work was. And then, of course, the rise of technology in the 90s pretty much fucking put the nail in the coffin of the idea of a lifelong job. And a Democrat got elected into the White House. Yeah, and he's (laughs) taken all the jobs to Arkansas. Damn it. (laughs) He put all the jobs in his hometown of like 8,000 people. (laughs) So it's just, it's an interesting situation here where like with Lawler, sometimes you really see his politics come through. And this is one of those Mm -hmm. episodes because Mm -hmm. the next scene that we get is George going to the unemployment office for the first time and he sits down next to this fucking guy and they have a wild ass conversation yeah hey wait a minute don't get me wrong i mean i hate being unemployed i hate having to come down here on the other hand uh, i thank god we live in a country that that helps people in our situation our situation you know there's something else too you see there's something incredible about being in a position where you're more dependent on god you know what i'm talking about I'm still I'm still saluting the government. I'm still saluting. I just wanted to point that out. I've been saluting for the entirety of that clip ever since he said, you know, God. So this might sound extremely fucking foreign to any any of the younger people. Sounded foreign uh, to me, frankly. Who, yeah, who don't know this contour of the right wing perspective. It's the early 90s. It's a different game at this point. Right. As to like the role that welfare plays. And there is still this idea that it's like, well, we're proud of our, our civic. Yep. Especially unemployment over other kinds of welfare, right? Because you have to be actively looking for a job. It's got all of these these caveats to it, right? And and but like the idea that anyone would say that that they're grateful to live into a country, live in a country that provides welfare at all, is still pretty out there considering where where the right has ended oh, up yeah. these days. But honestly, yeah. I feel like even in the early two thousands, you probably still would have heard a little bit of this. It was the mm-hmm. reaction yeah. to the Obama administration yeah. that put the final nail in the coffin for this part. Well, because Obama was elected and there we found ourselves in another recession. Right. It seems to happen every time we elect a demon crap. That's right. 
as I like to say, as I like to call them, is wow. what they are. A de- a demon crap. Yeah, definitely don't look at the failures of, uh, you know, the Treasury under the Bush administration and of that Congress that may or may not have led to the, you know, regulations completely coming off the rails with regard to the banks and, and things of that nature. That's not sure. that's, that's not that's not the problem. Sure. We should look really, I think, for for, you know, all blame to be on the guy who put a factory in a town of 8,000 people in Arkansas. Yeah, we need to focus on the family. That's what we we need to do. We gotta focus on the Barclay machine. There are no families in Hope, Arkansas. Yeah, by the way, I think Barclay machine is like the even more depressing sequel to Hamlet machine. Mm. Ah, yeah. So, you know, God ultimately is in control, right? This is where this Mm -hmm. episode ends up landing. Um, you've got the whole, you know, Chris wraps it up with, you know, the, you know, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap that whole verse. Um, you know, mm-hmm. don't have anxiety about the future because God is in control and he's going to make sure that things don't get too bad, which yeah. again raises a question, which is, OK, so what about all of the people for whom things have been intolerable? Did God just not care about them? And this is also the the, the like logical impossibility at the core of evangelical Christianity and honestly Christianity more broadly, but especially Mm -hmm. this strain of evangelical Christianity where there are plenty of Christians, evangelical Christians who get fucked. So it's not even as if coming into the fold is going to be a guarantee of a better future. So what are we even doing here? Well, we're focusing on the Barclays. (laughs) We're focusing straight on the Barclays and how in this in that final scene, they all come together and hire him to be just their dad and to be the one who, you know, manages the family. Yeah, it's a Barclay Co. Uh, It's kind of like Waystar Roy Co., but on a slightly smaller scale. So, yeah, Barclay Barclay becomes professional dad. Um, The other guy who who has been on unemployment has been on it for six months. And George is going to stay on unemployment for a while himself, too. Odyssey has no jobs. Yeah, but it does have a job. Middle America, small town middle America is getting hollowed out by these larger national interests that might be owned by a certain Dutch uh, fellow. Oh, named the shipping concern. Yes. yes. Well, yeah. and the fairies Clinton, spelled T A A N. Yeah. This is why they are dropping expressways down into our beloved fields, mm-hmm. right? It's, yes. it's for purposes of logistics and things like that and hollowing out the industrial core. Now, yeah. yeah and I wonder what's next. I wonder what's next. Further gang activity mm. inner city crime mm. oh. maybe this is all part of one big plan by one big guy uh, i he's very tall because he's dutch sure <laughs> I, I do want to I, I do want to talk a little bit about why i think this episode really kind of goes it kind of disproves i think lawler's point about the nuclear family being sort of the center mm. of america because we see it kind of crumble and we see the cracks sort of form in it how there is so much pressure put on george to be yeah. the provider of this family and all nuclear families kind of have that thing where the man has to go out and get the get the money right and then the woman has to stay home and and take care of the home and it actually breaks george a little bit we see yeah. him have this anxiety attack and we see how unhealthy this dynamic is but once everybody like actually joins in and like pitches together then we see the family kind of rise above it but i do think it's interesting that we see that he lets us see the cracks in the facade yeah if only well, briefly look, look at what this means like this ideology is that yes the family is at, is the core structure right the the skeletal 
aspect of society. Right. And if we break it down, it always starts with the family, right? It doesn't end with the yeah, family. That's why we focus right? it on it. starts there. Yeah. All of our societal issues, our morals as a society, our values, our legislation, our economy is all based on how much we support the family, how right. moral we make it, how values values based we make it, and in turn also support the free markets because those are more diffused. Those have nothing to do with the state. Those have right. have have the supportive family. Some of them are family businesses. Even oh, we like, love a family like, business, like our, don't we, folks? Like, like the Waltons. Well, that's a good family right there. A good Arkansas family, unlike those nasty Clintons who are in government. <laughs> but what this shows is like George has done everything right. Yeah. Right. They they can't they can't address that in this. They can't address the fact that George has done everything right. And still, this is far too powerful for him. The force of capital here that they're they're moving their factory, not even out of the country. It's not even NAFTA time yet. This is moving to Arkansas. This is moving a few states over. Right. Is too powerful. The family values don't protect you against it. The church doesn't protect against it. The sa- the salvation offered to you by our Lord Jesus Christ doesn't protect it. Now, in basic Christian theology, that's fine. You know, that doesn't break with the theology because suffering and persecution are all built into it. Especially but in Calvinist American- Christianity. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the American evangelical structure, you're supposed to be strengthened by it economically. Right. right. And socially well, and and ethically, which is, again, like that. That is why wit is the Ubermensch, mm-hmm. right? Like he is right. the ultimate realization of everything that focus holds so dear. And I mean, maybe if George just pulled himself up by his bootstraps and started a small business, then he would be able to also achieve his own American dream. Right? I mean, the, the, this montage, you know, very notably does not show George going over to wit. And asking yeah. Wit for a job. Yeah. Because Wit yeah. is not a job creator. No. <laughs> he is no, he's for not. teens, but you also have he to be for, his assistant. He is for exactly two teens. And he yeah. doesn't pay them. We, we know no. that he doesn't no, no, pay no. them. Not a like, living wage, He, he pays them a bit. He pays. Remember, going back to that very early episode <laughs> that he was like, well, how much will you pay me? It's like, I don't know. Ask the other person. And, and yeah, you know, ask, the, ask what they pay a clerk at the fucking mall clothing store and I'll pay and I'll, you that I'll amount and not a penny more. Yeah. You have to give her an incentive. Like, just be like, I'll give <laughs> yeah. you a dollar more because that will get her to take the job nope. wit anyway it's nice to see that george is has is now becoming sort of the job of odyssey yes and he i really uh, is and i i will i'm very excited to sort of see how they take that i don't think they'll take it as extreme as i think you know no job, no uh, he, he, he's he's not gonna have a, a puppet that does a minstrel routine <laughs> like job does <laughs> michael uh but the well, fun fact about george is that he does laugh like josh and i i i clipped this because yes. I was so struck by it. Then if you'll show me where the coffee pot is, I'll... Coffee? Oh, you thought I was asking about the hugs? Oh, get it. <laughs> <Ow. laughs> Fuck, I, I'm so mad that there's music over that because I would love to put that one in rotation. I think it's particularly when you find something like really funny, but you don't want to l- let the laugh out. It's sort of like you're oppressed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that is that is what it is. And it's it, it yeah. delighted me to no end. And also just the way they say coffee is so unhinged. Coffee! Like they've never heard of it before in their goddamn lives. Ugh, this show, gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> yes, yes. 
I've Stockholm syndrome you. My people invented that in Stockholm. That's 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 what the town is named after. Like like the Diddies, you had the Stockholms who just brainwashed people. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's their job. Centuries. Absolutely. Wow. So yeah, moving that's how on. That's Gustavus Adolphus became Protestant. Oh, moving shit. on. <laughs> Next episode is 232, Thy Kingdom Come. As you can tell from the title, this is part of that album where they do, as was Our Daily Bread. um, This this is all part of that album where uh, they recap the Lord's Prayer in much the same way that we recap case studies in the pop culture of a dying empire. We have done almost all of this album. I don't think we'll get to the entire album. But there's a lot of material. Uh, I don't really want to do the miscarriage episode. It's very sad. Oh, God. (laughs) But I think the interesting thing about this album is that I do think this is kind of pre Hurlinger, at least. This is Mm -hmm. one of the strongest sort of statements about what this show is. And I think in many ways it set the template for the next five years. Yeah. And it was a shame because this has some uh, the old box art for this before they normalized everything into their new shitty style. This was one of the worst pieces of box art they ever, ever made for the album. Just an absolute dog shit fucking like it's just like a giant slab of stone that says uh, on earth as it is in heaven or whatever the fuck the title of the album was. And then there's like wit standing on one of the stone letters Horrific. We'll post that shit to our socials. Yeah, You'll have okay, a good time. Yeah. It will be it. a very, very small JPEG because that's all they <laughs> exist in on the Internet. So, Trust me, as someone to make the posters for the show, I know how small their JPEGs are. So this episode kicks off with uh, an audio dramatization of the parable of the sower. Like it feels like a parody. It yes. feels like they are yeah. making fun of someone else's Bible presentation. But they're kind because they're kind of making fun of themselves. Yeah, yeah, they're telling on themselves. I, but then I feel like they're not making fun of themselves. Right. Just Paul McCusker was feeling very boring this week. Right. And made so I didn't clip any of this because it was just really, really long and really dull. It kind of reminds me of like uh I remember my mom buying some like Bible videos and we had like the Hanna Barbera ones, which were, you know, it's Hanna Barbera quality animation, right. but it was fine. Sure. But then she found some ones from the 70s that were just shit. But like in the fun way? Now, yes. But when you're trying to like make, you know, find some engaging little cartoon videos for your kids, it's probably right. very disappointing. Right, right, right. Where like the burning bush just looked like there was like a branch had a little tiny like candle flame. <laughs> and it had two <laughs> frames of animation that it would just jump That's between awesome. back and forth. And it was like really dark too. Like they did a bad job with the telecine. It was like that. It's just it's so austere. There's no sound effects. The music is bad. Corey Burton is doing the dullest line delivery imaginable. Yeah. And Wit is trying to make this parable of the weeds and the wheat uh, work. Yeah, Wit's trying to zhuzh it up, right? He's yeah. sitting there at his DAW. Uh, he's, he's, he's in there. He's in Adobe Audition. Um, he is, this is yeah. not digital at all. You can hear no, the tape hear reels the tape. moving. Yeah, no, he's, he's doing it old school. He, Eugene comes through. And Wit offers him the opportunity to to work on the edit because it turns out he has a knack for it. Kingdom of Heaven? Well, it's a very straightforward parable, but I keep thinking we need something behind it. Here, Ruben said, Sir? It takes place in a field. Should I add some wind effects? Where did all these weeds come Hmm. from? 
some enemy of mine has done this. Uh, with all due respect, Mr. Whitaker, that may be uh, just a tad too much. Oh, that's what I thought. Perhaps a gentle breeze and the sound of their feet crunching against the dry foliage on the ground, like um, this. Oh. I love that he used the Canadian pronunciation of the gates for some reason. How about the sound of the barn door closing with a resounding bang? Perfect. That's exactly the reason I wanted you in here, Eugene. Oh? Would you mind finishing these parables? Yeah, you're so much better at it than I am. Oh, well, I be uh, to be perfectly honest, Mr. Whittier, <laughs> I don't think I can. He's just pawning this work off on, on Eugene. Uh, it's worth noting, this is actually Will Ryan's first appearance in 1993. He oh. just wasn't around for like the first six months. I don't know why, hmm. uh, but like they seem to make a big point of it by working it into the story of this, which is right. the mortal coil happened right. at the end of 92. Eugene appeared for their Christmas stuff and then this long stretch of time where Will Ryan is not around playing any role, even Harlow Doyle. But it honestly, I mean, this is a very good way, I think, dramaturgically to sort of yeah. write in an explanation for that because he's still freaked out. And justifiably yeah. so. He went to hell. He went to actual <laughs> hell in yeah. case we Which forgot. the program somehow knew he would go to hell, which yes. means that Wit had to program a hell variant into <laughs> yeah, He had to write machine. in, you know, if Eugene hell input. Listen, I have questions about <laughs> the mechanics of the Imagination Station, but yeah, if, but you it, wanna, uh, if you want to get those episodes again and get brushed up on that, go back and listen to our episode with Lev Novak, Wit yes. fucking dies. Yeah, but but it is but I think it is very telling about this whole episode's message about what it means to try and convert someone, right? Wit mm-hmm. tries to play an innocent bystander and all this, but ultimately it was his machine and it was his yeah. programming that traumatized this poor fucking kid. Yes. And and we remember we we really fast forwarded through Connie's conversion. Like we didn't even play all the episodes on the show that were being flashed back to in, in the Connie episodes when she finally does convert. Right. But like there is this whole thing where Wit's like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to push her too hard, I, but I want to give her this Bible when she goes on the bus right. and all that stuff. Like right. Wit is using his his like secret agent training to try to psyop her yeah, into Christianity. Yeah, it's the power of suggestion, right? Mm-hmm. And right. so the thing about trying to persuade people is that you can't just outright say what it is that you want them to do. You have to mm-hmm. cultivate a relationship. You have to put in little bits and pieces here and there. Showing what your intention is and generally being, I mean, if you really want to develop trust, you should be upfront about that, but nor should you be constantly, you know, badgering or or anything like that. And that's that's the approach Wade is taking here. I also really love the nitty gritty of the podcast production in this. Like it, it felt like the like, what production the podcast. Production. Yeah, which podcast? Yeah, yeah, which okay. podcast? <laughs> In 1993, yeah. it's called it's called Godcast. Oh, uh, mm. But there there's a bit where I'm sure that exists. But but it, it feels the most lived in too in this. It's like it's it's it, it, uh, you you kind of cling on to the rocks of reality when you listen to Odyssey. Here's right? mm-hmm. here's one thing I will say too. It's really nice hearing Wit not being amazing at something. Yeah, I get, I didn't even clock that, but yeah, it is. It's He's very not refreshing. A great editor. He he really has to just kind of like persevere his way through it and try a million things he doesn't have a knack whereas eugene does and so we get this point where like connie is also trying to reach eugene she's young 
she's a woman, so she's much dumber than Wit, <laughs> and she's trying to uh, reach Eugene with with her typical sixteen year old sledgehammer approach. And so she talks to Wit while he's still struggling with his very. We, we get another parable. Yes, we sure Wit is talking do. about. Wit's, Wit is continuing to wrestle with Adobe other, Audition as he prepares his yeah. podcast about the parable of yeah, the mustard Adobe seed. Adi- Okay, you guys know that this is for the radio. Yeah, yeah. This is tape. Yeah, a podcast. Yeah, yeah no, you're 100% right. It's tape. It's tape. It is tape. It's tape. It's tape. It's analog. All of this is analog. Yeah. It's magnets and and vibrations. Magnets, how do they and, work? And waves in the air. There is nothing digital about any part of this. Right. Right. It's tape. Yeah, okay, good. Okay, so this is what's happening here with the tape. As a seed, it is the smallest of them all. Where'd it go? Oh, Look at the physics with his muscles and the biggest of all plants. It's a little uh, Stanley Whoop. parable, isn't it? It becomes yeah. a tree <laughs> big enough for birds to come and nest in its branches. Oh, wait a minute. This isn't right. I wanted birds, not an elephant. He's so mad at himself. Bulldozers? Whoa. This isn't working. A parable with a bulldozer in it? No. <laughs> sorry, I mean, no, I keep pushing the wrong button. The way he snaps He's at so her. Mad. Oh, it's so oh, my funny. God. I mean, this is why you guys know you cannot talk to me on Mondays and Tuesdays because I'm editing You're, this show and I'm right, mad at you. Right, right, yeah. right, 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 right. <laughs> So you feel like and more than every that, I'm week. mad at me. I, yes. Honestly, the truth is, is like I give it to like midday Wednesday before we can talk to Brian again. You need the t- you need the period to like you know to to, I'm, to I'm remember getting, more friends. Yeah, I'm actually getting much better at Wednesday. I'm fine. I'm totally fine all of Wednesday. Mm. But yeah, Monday and Tuesday, I've made it like do not bring issues to me on these yes. days because because I'm. The elephant situation. Right, right, right. <laughs> and you've got to stay sort of focused on that very like granular yeah. base level. And you can't be thinking about like, oh, how does this fit into the five year plan or whatever? Yeah, but yeah. the thing that really pisses me off more than being interacted with at the beginning of a week. Yeah. Uh, is it all the elephants I keep blaring mid podcast? It's the fact that wit doesn't produce shows like this. You guys have heard kids right. radio. It's just not like this. Right. Yeah. Like it's I mean, it's incomprehensible sometimes. <laughs> right. I would go so far as to say it is almost always incomprehensible. Yeah. That's, yeah. Maybe that's the problem. This is too comprehensible. Yeah. This is just prosaic. Yeah. It's just going through the story. Dramaturgically, I see what McCusker is doing. Right. In the same right. way that Lawler was doing his little thing with the with the fantasy sequences that doesn't really add up to anything. Right. Right. McCusker is using this as sort of an abstraction. We're supposed to be seeing the stages of Eugene in in his at, at this particular point in his life right. as they are counterpointed and played alongside these other stories, these parables about the spread of the gospel and planting the seeds and seeing what that does for you. I'll be honest, yeah. like I see it now. Um, it doesn't work. But it doesn't, it doesn't work. work. I, I didn't, no. I didn't, listening to it, I did not grok the connection because it just well, this, I mean, this requires a level of Bible knowledge that I just don't have, like how to equate these parables specifically and how they latch on to like right. Eugene's. Yeah. It doesn't, because, it's because very this heady. doesn't tell you the parable. Yeah, it, right. it's entirety, You yeah. have to know the parable because you only hear a fifth of it. Yeah, this is right? like you hear this is like those insane uh shows that are like the Bible challenge or whatever, where <laughs> it's like some fucking closeted gay 14-year-old boy 
who yeah. you know his his who is Mormon by the way. Yes, who is they're always Mormon. Who has dealt with all of his issues by just like devoting himself to a comprehensive knowledge of the Bible, and it's like. So give the first 10 verses the parable of the mustard seed. And then he does that. And it's like, OK, great. Yeah. Now you need to relate this to blah, 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 blah. And he does that. And you're just like, this is the saddest thing I've ever seen. Well, yep. I, I mean, it's like, well, I yeah, that was me without the Mormonism. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if, if it helps, the way I sort of justified it to myself was that wit was like taking on extra audio work. Like, they knew that he had this, like, editing station, and this is, like, I don't know, in the next town He's editing for a local church. Yeah, he's, like, editing for a local church. No, he's not, though, because he explicitly says, I'm working on a kid's radio drama. Yeah, but it doesn't have to mean it's his kid's radio, right? There could be other... No, there's only one kid's radio. radio. There's only one kid's radio. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. KYDS kid's radio. It's just one of those lore things. It's it's like kid's radio. Kid's is the call sign of the station. He would never contract out. Like that. No, Which no, no. Wit, Wit is on Fiverr. Wit is on yeah. Fiverr, and he is <laughs> underbidding everyone. By the way, Wit is fucking broke. By the yeah. way, <laughs> just a brief point that I want to make. Very yeah. strange that the call sign is KIDS Radio because so it's KYDS. Sorry, KYDS Radio yeah. because they're yes. in Ohio. They're, they're east of the, the Continental Coast. Divide. It's, a, it's supposed to be a fucking W. K is only west of the Rockies. What are you doing? Come the fuck on, guys. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, it's be a professional. It is. It is very interesting because we. <laughs> We have not had that argument on Mike, but we have separately <laughs> had that argument like several times just sitting around and every time. Table. AJ's like, you don't need to be. It doesn't matter. No one cares. A, it matters. It matters, AJ. AJ. <laughs> okay. You know how there's train guys? There's yeah. radio guys. <laughs> yeah, there and the are. thing is. We ain't the ones been teaching them. <laughs> They're the ones been teaching us. I'm quitting this show. <laughs> yeah, we, I always knew it'd be an Odyssey one. Deep down, I always knew. So It's probably going to be the next one. <laughs> hey, I could finish the dishes if you want to go back in to help him. I'm sorry, Miss Kendall, but there really isn't time. There isn't time or you don't want to make time? I beg your pardon? I mean, be sensitive. Um, you, you just sort of haven't been around much, you know? Like, uh-huh. you kind of do your work, and then, you know, you're sort of... I'm... Forgive me, Miss Kendall, but I don't think I've ever been... In my life. <laughs> oh. I mean, you're out of here like a bullet. That seems like a fun recording dynamic, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Them going... And each you other can tell that, that Will Ryan and Katie Lee just have a ton of fun yep. with each other. They and really do. You know. The thing is, too, like, it's not like that's a great line. It's just no. that they no. are having so much fun with it that it becomes fun. Well, it, um, it is it is it is yes ending too because yeah. he's he's mimicking the exact sound yes. that she exactly. made, exactly. which mm-hmm. makes it feel like a much closer personal dynamic. Like these two, yeah. these are, you buy that these are people who work next to each other all day every day Absolutely. for a truly maniacal landlord. <laughs> and <because laughs> but he's broke because he's, he's paying their for, salaries. Connie fails her persuasion check here, right? Yes. And uh, Eugene is just like, yeah, no, I I don't want to talk about it. You should talk about it. Should or shouldn't is in the proverbial eye of the beholder. However, if I were to talk about it, I only say that my experience in the imagination station was likely the result of weariness and anxiety brought about by Mr. Whitaker's failing health. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. And as a man of higher learning, I wouldn't allow that experience to lead me to draw any significant conclusions. Meaning what? Meaning that I cannot oblige you in what you want. What do you think mm. I want? You want me to become a believer in Christianity. I can't. 
Why not? Because it is a closed issue for me. Like we talked about earlier with like the respect that Phil Lawler showed Connie's mom. Yeah. I, he, he would not be able to write this. No. Paul McCusker has the ability to write this, to write a character who knows precisely what his deal is yeah. and why he is not going to be a Christian in this context. Yeah, no, he's not He's not chunky. We don't need to figure out what his whole deal is. And it's also one of those things, because McCusker has jumped around <laughs> faiths so much, I guess. Uh, yeah, right. It, it's, it, it is almost like, okay, this is a guy who... I I feel like he gets Eugene on sort of a very fundamental level and he's a guy who has to sit down and read all the books in order to like kind of figure out the theory that would then get him into it. Right. And yeah. it, I, honestly, it was very nice to see because I actually think at least in the terms of like what I listened to of Connie's conversion, I think they kind of did her character dirty in order to mm-hmm. get her to the place of just believing. Yeah, they had to move fast on that. And I think at that yeah. point, mm-hmm. too, they just weren't as confident in the writing and the characterization. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I think that if they were to drop a Connie Kendall in around episode 200, her arc would be well drawn, you know? Yeah. yeah. And much, much more complicated, certainly. Uh, and they allow that for Eugene, which is lovely, because I think they also bet on the fact that audiences like Eugene enough as a character, and of how, how could you not? It's Will fucking Ryan. Right. That they'll wait for him to convert like for all like mm-hmm. the anxious kids like y'all when you were sitting around listening to these tapes were just oh, like absolutely well, it's when's like, he gonna do it when's, when's he, he gonna, gonna get saved it? yeah I mean, yeah. yeah but it's it's the will they won't they right mm-hmm. of odyssey yeah. when will eugene get saved and i guess soon i'd imagine <laughs> soon <laughs> you have no idea AJ. yeah you have no fucking idea i'm very excited <laughs> um but yeah I, it, it's, it's it's interesting too because you know now being a little bit older and to your point about like reading, you know, doing the reading and stuff like that. Yeah. It is something that I now feel more of an attachment to the, the, the idea mm-hmm. of like, if I am confronted with a problem, I kind of want to do the research on it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's not a process that's that can the be of forced. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it yeah. is. Yeah. And I think that like we kind of do a little exegesis every week on a piece of material. And for me personally, it has better helped me understand how I view the world around me. Yeah, um, yeah and certainly. I, from, Not me. I was already really smart. Yeah, well, that's yeah. true. I mean, um, that's- and, and, and from what I've heard from our <laughs> listeners, it sounds like has helped a lot of people as well with, with that yeah. process for them. So that, I think that's a, a good thing. And yes. yeah. what this episode doesn't do is go, oh, Eugene, you're going to go off and read those books. Yeah, okay, f- fucking, you know, making the J.O. motion. Yeah. Um, instead, yeah. Right, because Paul McCusker has a deep respect for the intellectual, uh, and we should mention what the books are, yeah. right? Eugene is reading St. Augustine, right. which is what prompted our, our discussion about those those uh, rowdy about high schoolers that stole all of AJ's pairs. Yeah. All uh, my pairs. I mean, Connie literally runs into him at the library yeah. and knocks his books out of his hands. It's like, oh, you're reading all of these. He, he's reading, like, really complicated books contemporary and you know ancient and like a a lesser writer phil lawler would have him read gk chesterton and c.s lewis mm-hmm. and uh I, I this book wasn't out yet but like lee strobel mm-hmm. you know the case for christ <laughs> yeah sorry. yeah because like you were pointing out aj yeah. at this point mccusker is already living overseas he's mm-hmm. he, he married a british woman 
moved to the UK. Oh. He, he writes from the UK for like a decade or so. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly when he moved, but I know it was around the time that Dave Griffin, Jimmy Barkley's voice changed because he talked about getting a call. Was he in London then or do you know? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I think I think it was London. Yeah. But so he started going to an Anglican church. OK. And you can see these are the books that he is actively reading. Right. And then eventually mm. Paul McCusker becomes a Catholic. Yes. Quite a bit later, like in the 2010s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a way to deal with your homesickness, right? To write about mm-hmm. an all-American, you know, town yeah. of Odyssey while yeah. you're abroad. Uh, I could definitely see. I, I guess maybe that's why his episodes are. I mean, he's he's a very good. He, he's he's a much better writer, I think, yeah. overall than Lawler. But there is sort of like there is a yearning. That is in yeah, a lot yes. of his stuff that now makes a lot more sense. AJ, one day I'm going to find some of his fucking plays and you're they're just going to appear in your home. <laughs> it's going to be like a Skinnamarink situation. Yeah, it's going to pop into place. Yeah. And my and it, it is it is nice because my home is already upside down. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, good. And it good. has no doors or windows. So I'm, being, I'm so cold. I'm being confronted by Connie at the library. Eugene's like, look, I'll level with you, right? The reason that I didn't want you to know about, you know, where I'm at, the fact that I'm reading these books or anything else is that I need time and I'm trying to make it fit together. And if you had known what I was doing, you would just be really annoying about it. Yeah, you just keep pushing the Well, just become a Christian already thing. Yeah, and he, he doesn't. Like, that's not going to help him at that point. Right. That's not going to help him think. Right. It's just going to be pressure. But of course, and this is an important point too, a big, big cornerstone of the evangelical tradition is that it's not enough to just think. You got to feel mm. it. It's a mm-hmm. God thing, right? Yeah. If you're spending too much time intellectualizing <laughs> it and getting up in your own head, you will ultimately yeah. not be like hearing God's call, which is basically just At going some to point. Yeah, you have to abandon the logic because God's logic is higher than yours. Right. And it's something that you are not going to be able to fathom. God is apparently which is is counter to a lot of of historical Christian yeah, this belief is, that this, God has created a universe that you are not supposed to be able to fathom rather than you are you are created in God's image to be able to find that. And truth, this is right? something right. that is very different, obviously, from some strains of Christianity. It's very different from Ju- from uh, most strains of Judaism. But yeah. evangelical Christianity specifically, the primary focus is on that one to one personal connection with a personal savior. And the thing mm-hmm. about personal relationships is that they are first and foremost emotional in nature. I have a question for both of you because again, yeah. I'm I'm not as familiar or like I guess I it, these parables were not drilled into my head and there's some pretty obscure yeah. ones in here. What the fuck is the kingdom of heaven is like yeast? Oh, so the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. <laughs> That's the silliest <laughs> thing I've ever so, heard. No, so come on. Is, it's so yeast, this, right? these are these are two stories that are placed right next to each other. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, and the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard right. seed. That one you might be. Able I to do know mustard with. seed because I did a play at a theater that we won't mention on this podcast where I had to there scream. Remember the mustard oh, seed. Yeah, that's right. Oh, good. So you do, you do remember no, the mustard are, seed. These are these are two sides of the same coin, right? right. These are small yeah, ingredients yeast. that make a big impact. Yeah. 
Right, because a mustard seed is like this little tiny thing. Josh, I'm sure you had plenty of Sunday school classes where the fucking teacher handed mustard out seed. a mustard oh, seed to everybody. Absolutely. I feel like we've and talked about that on the show before. <laughs> it's like the size of a human egg cell, right? But then it grows into a very large tree. The same thing with yeast. It's very, very small, but you only use a little tiny bit of it and your bread's going to get big. Well, I mean, and that's that's so that's what that the is. Thing about it's, this... it's not much of a parable. It's just a very simple analogy. Right, right. But the thing about this episode and the way they structure it is that... Mm-hmm. You just keep hearing the same line. The kingdom of heaven is like blah. The kingdom of heaven <laughs> yes, is like a mustard yes. seed. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like a woman in her hotel room. Her kingdom's going to come. And it's just, it, it really like, it it, it, it We're it shaking our heads. <laughs> it really just like, it causes the mind to go in on itself because eventually yeah. they stop meaning anything like they do with Eugene, right? Like, yeah. it, it, I, I, you can't make the connection certainly, between certainly these to and a more journey. outside listener yeah it means something to me and it means something to josh because we have the full context of the entire story right right but yeah because again the the, right it's about audience right because this episode isn't about the eugene no this this, episode is about the joshes and brian's who are trying to convert you that's exactly right it's giving us that's the framework i was missing it's giving us tips for what to do and how to think about it because eugene in this case his own faith right the kingdom of heaven growing in him is at this point in time Somewhere between a mustard seed and a full-grown mustard tree. Yeah. And he needs to read some Milton for a while and then find out that he's actually gay for Satan. Uh, (laughs) But then Wit does this really... This is another thing that it just fails. Wit tries to do this Plato's Cave comparison, right? Where he's talking about the Lord's reason and our reason and how, you know, there are things in heaven and earth that are not dreamt of in your philosophy, Eugene. (laughs) And he plays the sound effects in the studio and he's like, see, it's like we're outside. I could change it to any place. And what's weird is that you don't get transported. Right. When yeah. you're listening to this, it's, it's very almost Brechtian, too good. Right. You feel like you are in the studio. Yes. Like that. You always hear like the tape or whatever. And, and like the sound is 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 shaped in such a way that it sounds like it's in a room with you rather than creating the. And I think that's on purpose. I think it's a bad choice. I don't know. I mean, I, I, it is. It does feel like I was saying very Brecht, very Bertolt Brecht, mm-hmm. where it's like this is the construct, <laughs> Thank you right? For pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, I thank Kevin Sorbo for you know helping yeah. me with my pronunciation. I thank the great state of Oregon, as we all should. Ever since that incident in the Imagination Station, I uh, hold on, Eugene. Maybe you better tell me about that incident. All I've heard has been secondhand. Well, it's difficult to explain. So you can still hear those waves I know that your there. Life After Death program yeah. gave you an experience of joy and reunion. But not for you. No. Because you programmed In it many ways, way it was fuck. the most terrifying experience I've ever had. It was as if I were completely separated from everyone and everything. As if I were thoroughly alone. As if life had absolutely no meaning and I was non-existent in a burning darkness. Connie said I saw a glimpse of hell, and in many ways, I want to believe her. Believe it, Eugene. However, that experience isn't enough to make me want to rush into the arms of Christianity for protection, to act poetically for a moment. That's why I've been researching and studying. I want to confirm or deny my experience. And so I think the way that the sound of the waves interacts with that is really interesting, because it's like, you know they're not on a beach, but there's a part yeah. of your brain that's like, they're on a beach. 
but but it's not it doesn't seem to be in service of a greater point about the nature of narratives because well, which is because again like yeah wit is trying to do because in plato's cave everyone sees reflections and thinks they're the real thing right and then wit takes eugene out of the booth right walks him through wit's end takes him outside and they hear the birds and the and the the breeze and the leaves and the grass and the cars right and that everything. happens after this clip yeah and it's just it's just inert. It's just dramatically yes. they haven't they haven't nailed. Yeah. Like I, I, I can see like if I'm diagramming it, if I'm listening to it and taking notes, I see what you're trying to right. do. Otherwise, this episode has no impact. And I certainly really don't remember listening to this. Episode I mean, maybe at all. maybe a lot of it comes down to the sound design. Right. Like if if, yeah. if the. Um, the, I think the, the waves also a part of it, but yeah, the, 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 yes. I, I think because I, I think the sound design delivers what it's supposed to be delivering here. Maybe. And it's just the the writing is. This. Yeah, it's the way the things work in tandem, right? Where like if yeah. the uh, sound of the waves and so forth was kind of like tinny and not quite, you know, sounding good. And then they go outside mm. and now they have left Plato's cave and it's like, whoa, I hear so many great things. And you really kind of throw the kitchen sink at it. It might have been a little showy, but I do think it would have landed better. I think it should have even been that like it's a perfect illusion. Like I'm, I'm yeah. able to totally create this thing. Oh, we're here, we're here, we're sure. here, and then they go out. But then maybe that creates a question, which I would like: of have they actually left the booth? What's going on now? Um, oh, because, so yeah, it's it's yeah. like it's like the beginning of Prey, where you're 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 <laughs> yeah. you know inside <laughs> the uh, the Looking Glass, right? Yeah, it's it's again, it's like McCusker's trying to take a big swing, the same way that he did by sort of layering it with the parables, with the ideas of these parables and the way that the gospel lands within somebody and the way that a thought can grow within them just as a mustard tree would grow. Right. But just none of it comes together. There, There is some nice, respectful dialogue that happens in here, but we all know, of course, the goal is to get this fictional character's right. soul saved. So that the imagination station, which knows if you're a Christian or not, won't put him in hell again. I also think that this dialogue would work a lot better if we got new information from Eugene in terms of like what right. the, all of this is. What is he says out. the same stuff. Whereas yeah. he said this exact thing during like, the mortal verbatim. coil. Yeah. And like three of the dialogues in this episode are just like Connie talks to Wit and says, Eugene's been blah, 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 blah. And then she goes to Eugene and says, Eugene, you've been blah, 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 blah. Like the well, word And for if word. you're going to do yeah. that, you might as well just like do a flashback and use clips, which is a tool they will yeah. use later to, I think, greater uh -huh. effect. Yeah. I also took the note that this episode feels inert, Brian, and it just it doesn't. Yeah. Because it is a placeholder, right? It, I think there is maybe value in that, like, if you are trying to convert someone, there will be days that feel like this, where it does feel like their resistance is the exact same excuse they've been using over and over and over again. But, like, it, it doesn't make it a good episode to listen to. I, yeah. It doesn't make it fun. I, I, I took the note. I zoned out almost entirely for the entire last section, and I regret nothing because yeah, no. nothing you the didn't fuck miss anything. happened. I did also briefly feel that maybe it was Hal Smith talking to Will Ryan and not Wit <laughs> talking to Eugene briefly because of what they were doing with the Brechtian -like distancing. Like, oh, are we oh, just going to fully do this and be like, yeah. hey, we're in a radio drama right now. Like, are they going to take it to like that full extreme? And then they and then, yeah, they talk out to you the listener right. and say you know the, you know yeah, yeah th which i think most of these would be more interesting but yeah. they're not going to break the frame like that that's just no. not in the nature of how this show operates no they're trapped in a family portrait so what do we learn about dads 
You gotta have them. Gotta have dads. <laughs> gotta have my dads. Can't, can't 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 live with them. Can't. Uh. Yeah. No. There. It really. It really is true that I gotta have my pops. Like that. That's. That's. I don't know. I don't know. I, we we've learned nothing in this in these episodes. This is uh, mostly bummers, actually. Yeah. So this is a real. This is a real kind and of downer week. I, I guess that's that's more more about. Yeah, what I should be telling you, AJ, is it's gonna we're gonna fall farther. Oh, okay, sure. George, George Barkley is now embarking on a oh. journey. Oh, yeah, into hell, and and he's going to change. He's going to become a very, very different man. <laughs> oh, okay. And let's just hope. Let's just hope. Let's just really. Let's all of us hope that there isn't a run on the old savings and loan, because it's not. It's not your money that's AJ's in here. You know, it's, it's, eyes are it's in currently <laughs> popping out of his socks. Oh, no, Dale it's, Jacobs it's not in here. No, no, no. It's, it's in Dale Jacobs' house. Uh, it's, uh, it's in Wits End. I mean, most of it's in Wits End. He insisted on it. Uh, <laughs> so wait, now we have reached the end of our episode. <laughs> and so I just wanted to say that you can, um, if you want to listen to more of our stuff, if you've enjoyed this episode, we are on Patreon. Patreon.com slash worst of all gives you access to all of our good shit every other week. uh, We got a premium episode. Uh, You can get those for five bucks a month or I hate you for $10 a month. And and if you want to listen to our recent premium episodes, Mm -hmm. of course, we did one on Mr. Beast. Yes, we did. That is very popular. guy. Very charitable. uh, Mr. Beast. God. God. So yeah, go to Patreon.com slash worst of all to get signed up for that. For me, this was one of the most interesting episodes so far. Where the tensions between the philosophies that these writers have and the Mm. actual implications of those philosophies Mm. were in direct conflict, right? Mm -hmm. And so all of these episodes, every single one of them in a way was like, you can't land the plane because everything that you have put into it up until this point seems Mm. to be in conflict with where you want to go. But the thing Mm. is about evangelical Christianity that whenever you come across one of those strange logical conundrums or the things that make you go, huh, maybe I want to dig into this a little bit more, is that you run the fuck away from it as <laughs> fast as possible. <laughs> I'm the worst of all possible Joshes. Well, I'm the worst of all possible AJs. And I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. See you next week.